This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to the Thundercast. Uh, we just took a break, and I'm a loser. I pooped his pants. <laughs> uh, all right, last time. Hey, 5,000, <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name's Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. We have another podcast to just talk to the movies. Today, we're coming to you live from the box that Liam has been living in. It's only a metaphor! <laughs> it's actually pretty nice in here. Yeah. He keeps it well kept. I, it's, it's on Schrodinger Street, so I'm not entirely sure we're actually even inside of this box. Uh, uh, today's sponsor is uh, it's us today. Us? Yeah, not, not Jordan Peele's uh, movie, but uh, rather we are trying to sell you shit. Buy so, our shit forever. Yeah, you can go to Spreadshirt.com, and if you look up uh, Thunder Lizard Collective, you can also go to our Instagram page, also Thunder Lizard Collective, or on our Facebook page, also Thunder Lizard Collective. Or Twitter, at oh. Thunder Lizard Collective, I think. No, it's no? Thunder Lizard OG. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm bad at marketing. So if you, if you go to, <laughs> you go to one of those, if you go to one of those, you can find our Spreadshirt link. Uh, please buy all of our stuff if you want. We got, uh, we have sweatshirts, we got t-shirts, we've got maternity clothing, we've got baby clothing. Clothes. We've, get got, started early. we've got mugs. We've got a hat. Um, <laughs> single hat. Yeah. Whoever gets it first wins. Yeah, yeah. you get the golden hat and you can come on the episode. You guys supporting us, we very much appreciate it. Liam tried to make a pop noise with his mouth. It didn't work, work too well. Uh, anyway, today, today we're going to be talking a lot about uh, indie filmmaking and the importance of indie filmmaking. And today we have a, a very special guest. We have uh, Joel Gardner. Hey, what's up? What's going on, guys? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, Thanks man. Thanks for being here. So, uh, Joel is... Uh, actually, I'll just let you feel this. So, Joel, what are some things that you want the world to know that you're known for? Well, I guess I guess the majority of people out there would probably, be, probably know me from a little thing called Pure Ownage which uh, started as a web series way back in 2005, if you can believe that, yeah. before YouTube days, yeah, yeah. not that long ago. And uh, it, it uh, grew into a, a TV show that was on Showcase for a season. And uh, after that, we did a movie, full-length feature. And in between there, I've, I've just been doing, like, like we've been talking about here today, is indie filmmaking, just doing little shorts on my own. And uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I got my own little production co- company going. And what's that called? Uh, Bewildered Bandit Productions. Right on. Can we find it anywhere on the internet? No, you can't. Would you also, by any chance, be known for that luscious beard you have rocking over there? <laughs> no, man. I wish. No, most of the time I have this shaved. I've, I've just been kind of lazy the last couple of days. <laughs> couple of days. This right here on my face. This. Tiny amount of hair. This is three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas is a prepubescent child. It's true. I just have I just have abnormally long vocal cords. <laughs> yeah. I got the salt and pepper thing going now. Yeah. It's been ever since I had my daughter. The the salt has been coming in quite oh, quite yeah. nicely. Yeah. Um. So so what got you involved with uh, the Pure Onage guys? Uh. Well, I guess before Pure Onage, we actually did a bunch of uh. We had a little comedy skit troupe that we called Pi Divided by Four, and we did these little, these skits that we kind of put together. They, they were more, they were kind of like short films as well, but we put it into like this 45-minute kind of format. And, uh, man, we did that probably 2000, 2001. And then those guys moved out to Toronto, the, the main guys of Pironage, Jeff, uh, Jeff LaPera and Jarrett Kale. And once they were out there, 
they were just testing out camera equipment, you know, and that's kind of how Pure Orange got started. It was just us testing camera equipment, doing stupid characters, right? right. We were into video games at the time, so. And you you were over here, um, so you're yeah. known you're known for playing a character uh, called FPS Doug. Yes. And uh, uh, I'm sure people know the meme of boom headshot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is Joel here, uh, and so. How, how did that work with them living in Toronto and you living out here? Would, would they fly out? or Because I, I know the, the one uh, the one where you appear for the first The, the first, first episode is filmed here. here in Calgary. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. not too far from where we're currently recording. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, to be honest, I think that first episode, maybe a couple scenes after that, are the only stuff that's actually filmed in Calgary. From that point on, they would always fly me out to Toronto and we'd film the majority of of the show out there right on and did you do the the show there too in toronto the showcase show yeah 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 it was well it was actually filmed in hamilton so ontario yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so what uh what was really the the big break for pure ownage like what really made it a big deal oh well I don't... or at least when you noticed it jeez well i guess i i, I would like to sound humble but i guess <laughs> i guess F, the character of fps doug you know kind of was the big breakthrough because back then there was a website called break.com i don't mm-hmm. know if you guys oh yeah, yeah. Com. yeah it yeah. was the big we're not that young, not that young. <laughs> <laughs> it was the big site back in the day where you'd find all the the viral videos right and that's kind of where fps doug broke big and hit the you know over a million views for the first time and that's kind of when pure ownage was something we started taking more seriously. Right on. And then, and then, how'd the show come about? The show, you, you, you guys had done what, like two seasons? Roughly? We'd done two seasons. It was about eighteen episodes of the web series. Of the web series, yeah. And we we get consistently, you know, one point five million downloads every episode. And eventually, networks, you know, it was around the time where networks actually started paying attention to the web and web content and the kind of views that it was getting, right? So that's that's kind of how it started. Showcase, you know, got a got a wind of it. Actually, one of the execs at Showcase, he had a son that was a big fan, right? On. Of the yeah. show, so. <laughs> that's lucky, yeah, man. And so Perfect. you you ran the show for it was a season, right? One right. season on Showcase, yeah, and oh. then uh, unfortunately Shaw ended up buying out Showcase and cut all their comedies. And so that's why now on oh. Showcase, that's all you see is like the sci-fi crap and yeah, yeah, totally reruns of Trailer Park or, Boys. Or yeah, another platform to play Game of Thrones, assuming you put in an extra yeah. little bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then you guys did the movie. Yeah. Um, how long after the show had wrapped up did you do the movie? Oh, after the show, it was probably a good three or four years after the TV show. Uh, we all kind of figured that, you know, at that point it was... One of the one of the actors on the web series had tragically passed away near the end of the web series. And to so to go back to the web series, it was kind of hard for us. So we wanted to kind of just reboot the whole thing. So we actually, after a couple of years, there was still a lot of interest in the characters. So we did a Kickstarter campaign, raised a quarter of a million dollars, and... And yeah, just financed the whole movie ourselves. Yeah. How how was the the filmmaking experience on that one comparatively to like other other things you've done? Because that's that's quite a budget. It is quite a budget, but to be honest, the the TV show was just something that just blew me away. Right, like 
the the movie, yes, we still had a, a quite the budget, but it was still just us. It was almost like back in the web series where it was just our, our crew, right? And it was like guerrilla filmmaking kind of back to its core. Whereas a TV show, I'd show up on set and as soon as you walk up on set, people are like, Joel's on set, Joel's on set. They're like on walkie-talkies. I get to my dressing room. There'd be cases of monster energy drinks sitting there waiting for me because they heard that I liked monster energy. So they made sure I had cases of it every single day for some reason, right? And it was just a totally different experience, the the TV shows. Mind-blowing. Is it something you feel like you might be interested in going back to ever? I would love to, right? Like Yeah, for the free monster, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything for the free monster, shit. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, living in Calgary is kind of tough. Yeah, for living, sure. Uh, going back to that world, but we we do have quite a filmmaking community here in the city, but compared to compared to like Toronto, yeah, and Vancouver, Vancouver. and that sort of thing, it, it's kind of like, you know, pe- people come to Alberta to look at our landscapes, not to harvest our talent. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate in that way. We have um, been getting more projects here over the past couple of years. Yeah, they're shooting Jumanji three in the Kananaskis next <laughs> this week. Marvel. Seems like a lot of stuff films here, but they like you said, they get their talent elsewhere like yeah they get Cal- the talent from toronto and vancouver and la and then they bring everybody here right yeah yeah I, I think uh i can't remember where i heard this but uh someone said that calgary in the term at least in film terms is a service in- industry not a content industry right yeah. yeah yeah i mean uh i can i can't even count the amount of people i know who have auditioned for those bigger budget productions that have come through and the only reason why they audition them is a li- is a, is a technicality like they, they have yeah, to audition. They, they have to have a certain amount of Canadian talent. Right. One of yeah. uh one of our friends almost got a role in the Revenant, but yeah. uh, they gave him Viraga. They he was on he was getting set up for one scene, uh, and specifically tried to get ready for it. And then when he shows up, it's like, nope, you're trying for something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, did you see Malik was on Jan? Was he? Yeah. The television series with Jan Arden. I've <laughs> never oh, even heard of it. Yeah. yeah Canadian yeah. content. Classic. Yeah. I tell you. Um, yeah. Anyway, so so what made you want to get into filmmaking? Like, what was the catalyst for that? I've always loved movies. Just just growing up, I've been a movie buff, right? Like, even when I was young, I'd take my, my parents' Super 8 camera and just go out and, and film garbage, right? It was just pure garbage, but... I thought it was a filmmaker, right? Yeah. It's just always been something I've, I've been into. You ever watch any of those old films? Oh, Gone God. back and tried to watch them? Tried to, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're hard to get through. You get about three minutes in, you to turn <laughs> yeah, it off. Like all the, of the, where, where's the, where's the you gasoline? Have, you have this yeah. brilliant idea of like, I'm going to go back through all my old footage and piece something brilliant together, right? And then <laughs> yeah. you go through it, it's like, wow. Yeah. Not a minute of usable footage. It's like there was one time... Uh, when my dad was uh, cleaning out his old, old computer, and uh, he had uh, footage from, I had this little thing called a V-Cam Now. Uh, to our audience who doesn't know, uh, of course you don't, because you're all 14, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so all of the footage from that, it was like a shitty little, uh, was it kid's commercial camera? And I was going on there. I was like, oh, what was I like as a kid? I was like, oh, oh get away, get away, demon, demon, yeah, kill it with fire! <laughs> Uh, obliterate it. Uh, so, uh, do you know what your the first film you ever made outside of Pure Ownage was? Outside of um, uh, Pi divided by what is it? Pi divided, pi by, divided by, by Pi divided by four. By four, right? Yeah. So, what was what was the first thing besides that? Uh, probably Death of Gary Goldwater right. would be my first uh, serious film. After that, yeah, and yeah. you did that. That was that would have been like two thousand two. Yeah, it was about five years. It was about five years ago now. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this was. 
like post pureonage. Post pureonage, yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, you've done a number of other films as well, right? Yeah, there's quite a few. I did I did quite a bit of work with uh, like guys like Clinton Jones, who's from uh, Rocket Jump out of L.A., and uh, Olin Rogers. I don't know if you guys know him. He's done, he does the new uh, uh, what's that animated film animated show that just came on Netflix? Oh my God, Olin! I'm that, so the, sorry. The, it's the, a space one. Dragon uh, Prince or. No, it's Final, Final, Space? Final, Final Space. Space. There you yeah. go. Oh, yeah, Final yeah, Space. So he's okay, the creator right of Final Space and does a bunch of voices on Final Space and stuff. Right he's on. so talented. All right, well, nice. well we're calling you out. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> share this. Uh, yeah. Please. Get us out there. Put us on the show. Uh, um, I do have a lot of friends that watch Final Space. Yeah, you. Uh, we've talked about it on yeah, the show yeah, before. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen it. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, got a, he's very interesting. Yeah. He's got a very interesting sense of humor for sure. Yeah, so so what, what kind of films do you normally grab? gravitate toward um in terms in, in, yeah in terms, in terms of, of making or yeah in production and and watching uh well watching i'm a i'm a horror buff uh if if my favorite genre by far is horror uh, i just i can't get enough of it yeah but in terms of filmmaking i kind of like to mix it up right like pure ownage was a pure comedy death of gary goldwater is is a dark comedy and my latest film is like horror slash thriller, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel and I, uh, I, I uh, was first AD on 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 it. Should we say the name? Sure, man. We could yeah. we could say it. It's it's a pit too deep. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be the latest film that we're hopefully releasing soon. Yeah, within the next couple of months, hopefully. Um, I was first AD on it, and I'm also one of the editors for it as well. Um, we had started production almost a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago. Yeah, I saw it on my Facebook uh, thing. It oh yeah, up, yeah. the memory popped up. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> so I saw that uh, that showed up, and then uh, yes, yeah, so we've been working on that for the past little while. Uh, hopefully, it should be out soon. Um, I had met you. Uh, I guess it's, we're going about two years. That's about two years two now. Two years, roughly. Um, I remember we we just went over to your place and just played board games. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. how we met. <laughs> and then uh, our mutual friend Sebastian had kind of had uh, linked us together to work on a couple of things, and then nothing really panned out until Pit Too Deep. Yeah. And then so we've been producing this uh, over the past little while. Um, but anyways, that's that's the most recent stuff that that we've been going on with. Um, is there anything on the horizon for you right now that you you want to talk about specifically? Uh, not really specifically. You know, there's a f- there, I'm always writing and always always have projects in my head and on the go, right? It's just whether they actually get off the ground. Oh, yeah, the bane of an indie filmmaker. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? Horrendous. I feel bad. It's just those, few, <laughs> those first few steps that you got to kind of get yourself in gear and get things going. That's, yeah. that's tough, right? You get the right people involved. And yeah. Sometimes that's really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Joel. Uh, Joel, I'm really happy that you're here. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks again. We're gonna we're gonna dive into the things that we we usually say the things that we've ingested in in terms of media. Okay. So that can apply to comic books, books, uh, video games, uh, cucumbers up your butt, whatever you know, <laughs> anything that we have devoured. Yeah. <laughs> so so we'll we'll go down the line. We'll let Liam start this time. Um. All right. So. Uh, I've seen two movies as of late. One, I'm going to wait till Christian's turn because both him and I saw this movie together. Yeah, we saw it together. It um, was uh, Debbie Does Dallas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, I was thinking of uh, the, uh, uh, was it VR Fuck, Girl, VR Fuck Dolls Elastigirl style? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was good. Was, it was, it was oh, something. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, um, I saw Shazam last week. Nice. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it. 
I mean, uh, I don't think it's like a brilliant uh, was a masterpiece by any means, but it feels or any of, of those DC films, honestly. Um, yeah, but I mean, they're they're doing better. <laughs> well, I right heard now. it's a lot more fun than than the previous DC films. Well, I mean, like it's a lot of fun, but I mean, I also I'm also one of the people. Uh, was it who fought Aquaman was a lot of fun and really enjoyed it. I I like Aqu- Aquaman. Yeah. Um, but was like, there, was there anyone named Martha? No. No, we're good. <laughs> Shucks. Um, but like, uh, well, maybe in the background, maybe. or or Martha's just abolished in the DC universe. <laughs> no now. one ever will have the name Martha ever again. Uh, one thing that was real that re- I really took away from this one is like, remember how a few episodes ago I said that Aquaman was essentially a Harryhausen film with yeah. a budget? Yeah, totally. Uh, this one is kind of like an '80s family film. Uh, kind of okay. like in the vein of like, uh, like the Goonies. Or... Uh, no, more like uh, Big or uh, what's our uh, Adventures in Babysitting. There's even like, there's even one element that gave me some Ghostbusters vibes. Yeah. Um, like uh, the cast is all really good. Uh, I didn't. Uh, was it? This is my first time I've seen the one kid from It in where I didn't find him annoying. <laughs> uh, was it the germaphobic kid from It? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, he plays. Uh, uh, was it uh, Billy Shazam's best friend or his foster brother? Uh, Zachary Levi's having an absolute ball playing the role. Uh, Mark Strong is always fun to watch as a villain. Uh, when, is, pro- when is Mark Strong not a villain? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. That's Kingsman, true. yeah, there yeah. you go. That's um, true. The biggest, the biggest thing with him, though, is that, like, uh, in the beginning, you kind of completely, you, you don't agree with what he's doing, but you kind of understand where he's coming from, and I appreciate how his whole goal in the end isn't, like, a his personally is like a whole takeover of a world kind of a thing or like destroy the universe. But as the movie goes, he got it. He kind of starts to become a little more generic and makes uh, well, some idiot mistakes. Hmm. Um, but like, yeah, it was a lot of fun. There's one element in the end that I was really happy that I didn't call. Um, but I'm also like, as much as I know comics and Lucas could have testified to this. Um, and despite what he may believe, I don't know every single thing about yes, comics. Yes, you do. Yes, you no, do. I don't really know. I actually haven't really read much Shazam. <laughs> the only thing I've read is what the movie's loosely based on. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, overall, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It wasn't annoying and pandering in a way I was scared it was going to be. Like, because uh, in the trailer, you see him do, like, the floss dance and whatnot. I'm like, could you be any more mm. panding to post-millennials? <laughs> but it's literally just one thing, and then it's done. One of Liam's favorite phrases to use on this podcast is post-millennial. Post-millennial. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> privilege. and privilege. Yeah, one, yeah and privileged. One day we're going to bring on... Uh, or, no, 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 uh, it was pretentious. Pretentious. Yes, pretentious. One day we're going to bring on Post Malone, and he's going to shit his fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, Liam's entire skull is just going to collapse. Yeah, and I'm going to say to him, yo, stop pandering to dumb kids. And, and he'll be like... <laughs> Wow, that joke was funnier if you were familiar with his work. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the only other thing I watched, uh, I've really watched before I get o- before Christian and I talk about the film we saw together, was uh, last night I spent a long period of unnecessary time watching videos on animal attacks <laughs> as well. <laughs> What a good use of your time. Yeah, no, oh, I man. literally was watching videos about, like, how dangerous gorillas, mountain lions, hyenas, and, uh... You know mountain lions are the biggest uh, cat that can still meow? Yeah. Yes, Joel? Before we move on, I just I wanted to get you guys' opinion on what you think about the whole DC Universe kind of mess now and how they're just kind of giving up on it, or <laughs> yeah. are so, they giving up on it, or um, what's happening I, in I the DC know. Universe? Does anybody know. know? No, I don't even think they know. From what I understand, it seems to be that we're focusing more on self-contained stories, 
and like embracing the material that uh, I was a member known for mm -hmm. instead of being like super afraid of it and trying to make it like most badass, gritty, serious movie you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, like comic book, comic book heroes need to be grim dark now. Yeah, no. all grim dark. Those colors get rid of them. I yeah. mean, keep in mind that Zack Snyder is the guy who once said that he thought it would be a cool idea if Batman got raped in prison. Yep, that's a that's a <laughs> real fuck? quote. That's a real. Did quote. you hear his, his rant that he went off on? Yes. Like, a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, where he's well, like, oh, why about people hate his movies and now they could just should all fuck off. Yeah, and there was a thing where he, he's like, oh, give me a break. Batman obviously kills people or whatever. Yeah, like, My yeah. Batman kills people. Yeah, like, Shut up. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, <coughs> yeah, I, I feel like I, I support the idea of them doing like uh, non-connected uh, films and like like just having references and allusions to other it, characters in the films. Like, I think that's a totally reasonable way to do it. Um, it's it, it's so much different than what Marvel does. And what they were trying to do for so long was to trying to be Marvel. And they fucked up real bad. Mm -hmm. And so now that they're trying to do these non-sequitur, uh, non is that kind of like the right Self-contained, I see it. Yeah, self-contained yeah. films. Um, like I said, making reference to other things. I think that's the right way to go. Because you allow fans of those comics to come in and not have to have seen Justice League. Not have to have seen something else. Just to understand the entire premise of what you're seeing. Well, you see, that that's where they, they fucked up, right? They wanted to be Marvel, but they forgot how Marvel got to where they are, right? Yeah, they, they started just, off they, with Iron Man, and yeah, that was they wanted it. to go straight to the Avengers. Yeah, exactly, right? They, else. Exactly. But Whereas, like, Marvel started off with just these self-contained movies, and then it was like, oh, if people like these, let's start building it up, right? Yeah, yeah they're like, oh, people liked Iron Man, let's throw Hulk in there. I mean, they had the off, they had the off movie where it was just a commercial for the Avengers. I'm looking at you, Iron Man too. But <laughs> the biggest mistake yeah. uh, uh, was a DC made was they tried to have her cake and eat it too. They kind they kind of tried to do what Marvel did by doing individual films, but then they also had to try and have a middle one where they introduce everything. And there's only two ways to really do this because they've shown the way they did it does not work. Either do a couple of build-up movies or just do one big epic like Justice League type thing and have everyone branch out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, start yeah. start with it and go out from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Lucas, what uh, were you done, Lou? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, we... Animal Tax was the last thing you watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, um, I watched an interview with one guy who ripped a mountain lion's eye out in defense. Cool. Nice. That's Did badass. he eat it after? Trying no. to gain its courage? I mean, <laughs> or its sight, I should say. I yeah. mean, as badass and freaky as that was, and how scary it is that there was a mountain lion attack, I also love mountain lions, despite being terrified about them. <laughs> I would name mine Steve French. <laughs> right. What have you seen, Lucas? Uh, I've seen, a, I've seen a couple course. different things. Uh, one, I saw the Game of Thrones premiere. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, right before I came here, which was uh, which was uh, real good. I heard some stuff happened in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, some stuff happened. Not to the very end, it was though. Mo it was mostly just reunions. Yeah. It was like Game of Thrones reunions. That was the whole thing. two years, right? Uh, yeah, like a year and a half or so since the last one aired. But yeah, that was it was good. Uh, not a whole lot happened, but like a lot of characters were uh, had reunions and kind of reestablished and set up the season basically. Yeah. As first episode of the season should do. Uh, I also watched a couple of really, real shitty movies. I watched uh, Dracula Untold. Oh God, oh, God. I've heard. Yeah, it was yeah. it was bad. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. I kind of had fun with it, but it was very bad. I don't really have a lot to say about it. But then I also watched King Arthur: Legend of the Sword, which mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about before. Uh, it was. 
very Guy Ritchie in a not very Guy Ritchie friendly environment. <laughs> like it's Guy the, Ritchie needs to stick to London. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, technically they were in London. I guess so. Yeah, or, or, or as it was called well, back there, as it was called back then, uh, Londinium. <laughs> what? Like, that, oh, really? no, that's that's Is legit. That historically, really? that's what it was called Londinium. in the fifth or sixth century. Does, does that break vibranium? <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite part was uh, okay. So King Arthur is supposed to take place in like the fifth or sixth century A.D. Uh, and there's a guy named Jack, <laughs> which was my favorite. And also, 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 there was a guy named Mike. Mike. What? Mike. <laughs> Mike. Mike. Not, not like, Sir Michael. No, like like Michael would make sense. Yeah. Because there's people back Mike. there named Michael, hey, Mike. but Mike. <laughs> there's Mike. Mike and there's Jack. Like they they still had like Uther and they had Arthur and they had Mordred and they had all this shit. But then there's also Mike and Jack. Mike. And also, like, it's Mike. What are you doing over the round table? And then there's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you have Lancelot. You have Galahad. You have Arthur and you have Mike. He's <laughs> got Ray Bans on. Yeah. Like in a blood light. So like, guys, even just a guy named Jack is like, is it? Are Jack. Jack and John like most generic action movie hero names out <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. And yeah, it was it was dumb. For some reason, Mordred didn't even really play a role in the movie. He was like a a backstory character that that didn't ever appear. Which in in like the Once a Future King by T. H. White, uh, Mordred is Arthur's incest son. Oh, so like it. Much bigger part of the story. Mm, he ended up killing. That's pretty Arthur. hot. Uh, <laughs> one thing. Well, it was uh, half incest son because he fucked his half sister. And, and yeah. Anyway, yeah. What was that? Uh, one thing you and I and uh, Joel were talking about earlier, which is as of late, Guy Ritchie has been really stuck on doing like period pieces or like fairy tales or big yeah. historical epics. And what, when his background, and what he's good at, he showed is making like British mob movies and crime. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that exa- is exactly how this felt, except it was King Arthur, which was really weird. <laughs> Sorry. Like they were trying to make a heist movie, but there wasn't a heist. It, it was just King Arthur from the becoming rich king. <laughs> That's Robin Hood, you dolt. Yeah. Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> there was also another Robin Hood movie that came out recently. But anyway. Uh, I thought you were going to be like, that's what I watched next. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't. I watched uh, The Death of Stalin. Oh, which yeah. is a, uh, a historical uh, political thriller comedy. <laughs> it's a very weird movie, but I loved it. Um, it's basically uh, uh, a retelling of the events that happened immediately after Stalin's death. Mm. Basically, all his cabinet members or team members trying to secure power for themselves. And uh, it is a comedy because the preceding events were pretty funny. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, okay, so t- Stalin, like, had a stroke whatever, and he... Uh, passed out uh, in his office alone, and there are two guards stationed outside. And in the scene in the movie, one guy's, they hear the thud. And someone's like, should we go check on him? He's like, do you want to get shot? <laughs> and that's legit what happened. The guards were too afraid to go into Stalin's office because they were afraid he was going to have them executed. Wow. And so it wasn't until the lady came with his breakfast the next morning that they found him. <laughs> and then all his cabinet members get together and like, what should we do? Should we call a doctor? And they're like, we would, except we executed all the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> we really fucked the dog on this one, guys. Like, okay, well, do we have any other doctors? Well, yeah, there's shitty doctors that we didn't execute. <laughs> now, do they all speak English moved. with a Russian accent? They the all movie? speak English with their just, with the, whatever accent. No, the, the whatever accent? Yeah, it's great. Nice. Like, like Stalin awesome. has a Cockney accent. It's awesome. <laughs> It's Steve Buscemi is just talking in his regular accent. There's a British dude talking in a British accent, which I really appreciate because I, I hate it when people try to pull yeah. out the fake accents. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna speak in a Russian accent, why wouldn't you just be Russian? Yeah, right? yeah, exactly, exactly. People yeah, complain about Gerard Butler having a Scottish accent at 300. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to do a Greek accent. 
Anyway, yeah, uh, uh, it was really, really fascinating because you never see historical movies that are comedies. Right. Yeah. Totally. Like it is. It is very dark and it's like very dire. Like Wasn't a lot Gandhi of people. A little get... funny. <laughs> uh, Passion of the Christ. I don't know. Passion of the Christ. Hilarious some, movie. Some people would find that a, f- a very hilarious <laughs> Does, movie. Um, doesn't. Uh, um, does Pain and Gain count as a historical movie? Because it's a comedy. Uh, it's a Michael Bay movie, so no. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are torture devices. Yeah, but uh, it's really, really interesting. I highly recommend everyone watch it because uh, it's a very unique movie, and I think it deserves... Steve Buscemi gives a killer performance in it. Yeah, I just saw it pop up on one of my streaming services the other day. I can't remember if it was Amazon or... Yeah, it's on Netflix. Or, so. Is it Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably where I saw it. No, yeah, it's it's, it's a really interesting movie. And I also watched a... Uh, it's not a movie movie but it's, it's a it's a musical that's on youtube called the guy who didn't like musicals <laughs> it's yeah. by uh, yeah. a production company i called... wrote it uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a by a uh, production company who uh, called team star kid who did uh, a thing called the uh, very potter musical way back in the day oh yeah. yes kind of like yeah you're, you've seen that yes i've seen a very potter musical nice, i nice. had an ex who liked messed up uh YouTube videos <laughs> and musicals yeah but yeah, it's just it's... at least like the uh, never mind <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a very interesting movie because uh, it's a horror comedy musical. Mm. It's very weird, but I loved it. Horror comedy musical. Yeah. Like Anna, the, Anna, the, Anna and the Apocalypse. <laughs> have any of you it's, seen it's that? It's like basically, I don't know. I haven't seen that. Or but, uh, uh, Repo or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I liked it more than I liked Repo. But uh, basically the base concept is aliens invade and they infect people. And when people are infected, they sing and dance everything. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so similar setup to like funny. the Buffy musical where a demon just kind shows of, up. Kind of, yeah. That's pretty funny. But uh, it's act- and there's actually some legit emotional gut punches in it. Really? Yeah. Like the ending, like the it, it's it's is a tragedy, it like basically, but in terms of like production wise, like Doctor Horrible, or is it a stage play? It's a stage. It's it's this on stage musical that they recorded. Team mm-hmm. Star Kid does a whole does a stage musical every year, and they record it and put it on YouTube. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But yeah. yeah that's that's what I watched. That was a lot. Right on, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a much uh, smaller list. Um, I'll go from the things I didn't like to the things I did like right. in that order. Uh, so I watched Action Point um, last mm-hmm. night. Uh, the Johnny Knoxville-led uh, comedy? Just the one where he has a, a theme park? Yeah, so, oh, so it's based yeah. off of the... Uh, the there, there was this park in New Jersey called Action Park, and it was the most unsafe park in the whole world. And they obviously um, take some liberties in the movie because, like, Johnny Knoxville, the entire movie, is walking around with a beer. And, like, you can't do that at a kid's park. Back <laughs> in, like, oh, well, then again, it was the 80s, so I don't know. Never know. You're but, still uh, allowed to do it at Chuck E. Cheese if you're of illegal drinking age. Fuck. <laughs> you guys have a Chuck E. Cheese after this? <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, get one of those oblong pizzas. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's... The best part about it is watching him get hurt. I, I will mm. tell you that. It's it's like a jackass movie with story, which, no, doesn't fucking work. Like, like just hurt yourself. Didn't That's they, all I want to see. Didn't they try that already with yeah, Bad Grandpa? Bad Grandpa, and again, doesn't really work that well. But uh, And then they kind of just, like, in the third act, just drop the park thing. Because the whole movie, they're, like, trying to, like, save the park, you know? It's, like, one of those, like, we got to save the ski hill before the bullies come, <laughs> right, kind of thing. And they, they try to save the park, but then in the third act, they just drop it. And then it's about uh, Johnny Knoxville and his daughter. 
for like the last 20 minutes of the movie. What? And yeah. I was like, okay. Just completely pivot to another movie. It's yep. remarkably like forgettable. Like I watched this movie a couple weeks ago and I really didn't remember that it was the same movie you were talking about. Yeah. But I can't remember a <laughs> single scene in yeah. this film, man. There, there, there is one bit where uh, Chris Pontius, who was also on Jackass, he was also on Wild Boys, he should never act. I'm sorry, Chris Pontius, but you should never, never put a script in front of that guy. But he should, he's in the movie, and there's a scene where he's got to break into this, this TV station to drop off a tape so that their commercial plays the next day. And he's, he's in the room, and the, the guy who runs the station and his secretary show up, and they start fucking on the table. And he's, like, crawling underneath the table to try and escape. And then the man climaxes and goes all uh, over the floor and comes all over his hands. Uh, and then that's when he freaks out and runs out of the building. <laughs> and then he, he ends up getting into the car, and he's sitting there, and he's got his arm around somebody, and then the dog licks it off. Oh, yeah. okay. no. It's, it's pretty fucking gross. <laughs> anyway, saw, that was not a that good movie. for animal cruelty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was bad. Didn't I see that already in a movie? Oh, yeah, it was called Scary Movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, no. And then uh, that was really bad. But then I watched, uh, not as good, but... Definitely taking a turn in the right direction. I watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Not as good. Not not as <laughs> not good. as bad. You mean? Yeah, I mean it, we're taking a step in the right direction. So like, huge it, leap. Yeah, man. huge, huge leap. massive <laughs> leap, massive leap. Um, honestly, feels felt like like uh, Schindler's List compared to Action Point. I tell you. Um, but uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is so different than the first movie. So mm. I've heard. So like. Completely different, because basically it's got it's got intergalactic travel, it's got <laughs> aliens, they go to hell, they go to heaven, there's yes. robots, it, there's time travel, it's just fucking wild. Aren't Bill huh. and Ted replaced by, like, robot By versions? evil yeah. robots, evil yeah. Evil robots, uh, Bill and Ted. And the, the end of the movie is one of the most absurd things <laughs> I've ever seen. Well, I mean, that's saying a lot, given it's fucking Bill and Ted. Yeah, and... Yeah, I, and I have actually never seen a Bill and Ted movie. Okay. It's a movie. Either one. I have not seen either. It's oh, my movie. God. I don't know if you would enjoy it. The original <laughs> Bill and Ted is a movie Christian watched, and I have watched a fair bit when we've just had a couple beers, and we're like, let's watch something funny. It's a good time. But, uh, yeah, the ending, they, they basically just beat the bad guy there's no fight they just like like guess what dude we beat you and then he's just like ah shucks <laughs> and then they win and it's it's That's pretty amazing. sad there's this thing with That's robots amazing. that happens which is just i'll, I'll tell you later because it's it's hilarious i don't want to spoil it because it's, it's very very funny um anyway so that was that was a good time and then uh i came home the other night and my my girlfriend was watching creep too so we've talked about creep so i'm not going to talk too much about it but that's a great fucking movie. It's a great movie. It's fantastic. Um, I also watched uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Which, oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Why haven't I talked about that? Have you seen it yet? David Fincher, right? Uh, yeah, it's Fincher and... Fincher uh, uh, was it produced it. And, uh, uh, it's, Didn't but he it direct was, a couple episodes? Uh, no, 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 he no. worked on it heavily. Him and the guy who created it is Tim Miller, director Tim of Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. It, I learned recently, uh, just to give a bit of a history dive, before uh, he worked on Deadpool, Tim Miller was an animator. No. Um, in fact, and uh, originally him and Fincher were developing a, uh, I was it a reboot of Heavy Metal, um, nice. and like they had a bunch of like har- uh, major directors coming in to work on it. Like James Cameron was going to do a short, uh, Quentin Tarantino was going to do a short, Robert Rodriguez was going to do a short, um, <laughs> Gore Verbinski was going to do a short. But then the rights reverted; they couldn't get everybody together. So Miller and Fincher were like, 
why don't we just make our own show? Yeah, so they did it <laughs> anyway. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So okay. it's an anthology series. Every episode is different. Every episode is a different animation style. Not necessarily style, but different, like, look and feel. And some, some of the episodes are just so good. They're, they're, they're just, like, very, very well-made um, pieces of, of, lit- of storytelling. Um, the, my biggest issue with it was that I found it often very hard to find myself emotionally attached to anything that was happening on screen because they basically just start at, in the middle of a story and then you get, like, the third act, basically. Mm-hmm. So they're missing a lot of stuff in there that, that would make you feel like the story had purpose, had reason. And so that was my biggest complaint. On the opposite side of that, there is uh, there's a, a episode where a woman rips her ar- own arm off in outer space. So you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna complain too much. There's another yeah. episode that shows the uh, was it the prospers that ha- that come from a yogurt taking over uh, Earth. Yeah, it's called the day the yogurt took over, and the, the yo- <laughs> yeah, it's super funny. So they, they they this yogurt like they wheel them into uh, the the. White House or something like that, and he talks like this. We but between walk. every single every single word, it's there's like a sound because it because it's a thing of yogurt, so yeah. it's just bubbles. And then uh, it's just like give me Idaho, no, no, no Ohio. We Ohio. want Ohio. We want Ohio. And then they all laugh at him, and then he's just like, "That's fine. We'll just go to China. They promised. They promised us the entire." country <laughs> and then and then they, they give them idaho or ohio whatever yeah, it's no, super it funny slowly takes over from there yeah it's, it's pretty good but the one thing that liam wanted to talk about that i feel like is a really good transition is we saw us mm. uh, jordan peele's us um i enjoyed it you know and i really really liked it it's the first movie i saw this year but i really really enjoyed yeah have you seen it yet no so please no spoilers we won't yeah. we won't it's hard to really spoil it honestly cuz there, there's a lot going on yeah. um i didn't like it as much as i liked get out hmm. um i noticed glaring plot holes in it um that i'm sure a lot of people have pointed out on the internet so i'm not going to go into it but uh th- yeah it's it's definitely it suffers from second film syndrome where like you know oh i made such a great movie and then people expect so much out of you, and you have to rush and make your movie so fast that maybe it could have done from one more rewrite, what maybe a couple, an extended shooting session or something like that. I mean, I had a similar experience that I had with, say, watching A Quiet Place, where, like, yes, there are some, it, in some ways it isn't really clear how the rules work, and there are some plot holes, but... I don't really care because I'm invested in what's going on. Also with this one, uh, a plus I'll give it is that I wasn't able to call it. Like as much as I loved and enjoyed Get Out, while you were while it was in the third act and whatnot, and when it came to act- him actually getting out, I was kind of starting to call it as it was going. Hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, he's, he's going to do this to kill a guy. He's going to... Uh... Yeah, and this one I didn't really have that. Also, while Get Out is... I would argue that Get Out isn't really a straight-up horror film. It's more of a satire thriller. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some very humorous and, uh, how was it, and uh, tongue-in-cheek aspects to it. But I wouldn't oh, even yeah. call Us a horror film. Yeah, I would say Us is more of, like, a really intense thriller. Like, it still has some of that satire. Um, but, like, this one isn't, like, as racially charged or, like, uh, I was it being like, oh, oh, was it we're really, really about bad as, like, Get Out was? Yeah, it's less about, like racism and that sort of thing than it is just it just happens to have 
uh, a cast that is all people of color. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not about that at mm-hmm. all. It just happens to have people that are of color. And, like, it, it doesn't distract Which away. Which shouldn't be right. He shouldn't have to make that a point of every one of his films. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, like, there is some really good, cool talk about, like, uh, privilege. And, uh, like, that's the most, like, so s- social political stuff it really gets into. Yeah, really glaring um, metaphor that, that the movie really dives into. Um, yeah, anyway, that's that's what I got up to. Um, I also watched Riverdale, and it was awful. Uh, <laughs> Are you surprised? Yeah. Pr- pretty sure I'm going to stop watching it. Uh, I, I stopped a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they Thank did the God. they did the Heathers. Oh, yeah, I watched Heathers as well. Oh, the musical? Yeah, no, the movie. Oh. Yeah, the movie is awesome. Oh. Like, there's this great line where she goes, well, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. And it's just, <laughs> it's a great line. It's really good. good. Also, you want to hear my Christian Slater impression? Sure. Okay. It's not gonna play on on the podcast because they gotta do a lot of face stuff. It's not but. good for audio, but man, the government, man. <laughs> <laughs> the face is good. The face is good. And he, oh, he's man. always going like this. Yeah. Like uh, for those of you at home, I wait. Knocked my head around really hard, really fast. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, uh, the, Riverdale did a Heather's musical episode, and it okay. was just fucking terrible, awful. Terrible. It was awful. So bad. Uh, my my girlfriend was like, "It wasn't that bad," and I was like, "We are watching two different shows." <laughs> Because I, I, I was like, you know what? Like, we're four or five episodes behind right now. And I'm like, I don't I don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> I don't, don't want to watch anymore. I'm done. I'm tapped out. The only reason I watch at this point is because Lily Reinhardt looks great in overalls. And, <laughs> like, what an interesting analogy. I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, that, I thought that was it. You were just like, that. this is my impression of Riverdale. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, I have a feeling this is now going to go down as another one of those great monumental moments of our friendship where it's, Liam was right and Christian was wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> Riverdale <laughs> used to be brilliant. It, okay. did, yeah. it used to be brilliant. <laughs> and, it had its moments. And I like keeping brain cells. <laughs> he says, and he has Sabrina, on the other hand, no, there's a good show. <laughs> I've, I've only seen a couple episodes. I, I do enjoy what if I've I, seen. If I wanted right. to watch Stupid, I'd go watch Dude, Where's My Car again. <laughs> yeah. All right, Joel, what, what have you watched recently? Oh, man. I've watched quite a few films lately. Uh, the, the latest one, I guess, would be Glass. Nice, right. yeah, yeah. What do you guys think? Seen Glass? Yeah, Liam and I have seen it. Yeah, I, uh, I actually really enjoyed it, man. I, I can't. I, it's a clunky film, but so was Split and Unbreakable. They were both kind of clunky films, but I, I still think Unbreakable is a brilliant film. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, what he did with Unbreakable and Split, the magic, how he was able to pull off those magic tricks twice was unreal. The, the magic trick of selling this film as one thing and having it be. Something, Something completely, completely different, different right? Yeah. And Glass was was good. It wasn't the necessarily the sequel I was wanting, but I really actually ended up enjoying it, man. I I like the themes of the film, and not I just didn't like where it ended. Yeah, I'll say yeah. that. I, I can agree with there's you there. There's one character in particular who I felt like did not injustice. Get a yeah, just good. There's an injustice, I'd say, of one character is just doesn't get. His com- yeah, you know, I'll just leave it. He that. doesn't it's, get his cunt muffins. Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, come up it. Come up it. He doesn't get his cunt muffins. Uh, what what else have I seen? <laughs> come up it. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to watch that. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh no, you went there. It's just Kermit the Frog drowning in yeah. <laughs> drowning in semen. <laughs> All right, this episode's off to a great start. Oh, man. Uh, what else have yep. you seen? Uh, Overlord. 
was nice. another one that I saw. Yeah, Liam was watching it last night. He was saying before we started. Um, but it was all, a lot of it. It was also late, uh, and I wasn't. Uh, long story short, I wasn't in the best headspace. Yeah. And it was. I was just kind of starting to uh, doze off a little bit. So I, like, sometimes later at night, I'll just lay in my bed. I'll have it on my nightstand, and I'll then I'll I'll watch from there. And he'll play with his cum muppets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll uh, and while I was watching it, I got to uh, one point. I was involving landmines where I started to yeah. uh, I was where I just started doze, and I was like I should probably restart this and watch it another day. Yeah, how do you feel about it? It's a lot of fun. Man. We have just talked about fun it before. from the start to the end. Yeah. Oh, I I actually really like that. Yeah, film. I, I thought it was great. I, I I said it on the on the podcast before. I think we talked about Overlord. I think so. Yeah, you brought it up. A um, but uh, I love how in the third act they just say fuck it. They're, oh. they're just like just story bash doesn't it, matter. Bash it crazy. Fuck in the it. Third act. Man. Yeah, they're just like zombies. Fuck. Yeah. Like just go. <laughs> I, I will say, however, I'm glad it it wasn't a uh, a Cloverfield sequel like it was rumored to be when, yeah. before it first came <laughs> out. Oh, so. me too. Yeah, so I would have been really that. bummed. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it have, have been call, so called like Cloverlord then? <laughs> yeah, exactly, Cloverlord. Cloverlord. <laughs> yeah, I've watched quite. A, I've watched quite a few movies. Escape Room. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. that. It was surprisingly good. I thought yeah. it was just going to be like your typical Blumhouse kind of sea level horror film, like Truth or Dare, or the, right. any other garbage that they put out. But it was actually really good. Man. Is, isn't uh, Karen from Daredevil in it? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like her. I like her a lot. Deborah Adwall. Yeah, yeah. She she has a D and D show on the internet. Yeah, apparently her and Joe Manganiello all like to play D and D together. Oh yeah, Manganiello is a big D and D nerd. Manganiello. to check that out. Manganiello burrito. Nice. I think Kevin Smith was on her D and D show at one point. I haven't watched it, but all right. There Sitting there like, uh, it's good, pl- good plug for later. We're, we're probably going to talk about Kevin Smith in a, in a couple minutes here. Yeah. Um, yeah, La- uh, latest Halloween movie. Which okay, I I keep forgetting to mention that I've seen it. I have seen the new Halloween. <laughs> there we go. I finally said it. Um, I didn't mind it. I liked it, man. I I liked it a lot. I liked the idea of retconning the whole series because yeah. even though I like Michael Myers after. Three was kind of just well. Three is not really a Michael Myers film. No, but, but like four downward. Yeah, four down is just kind of nonsense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I I I do think there is a lot in the movie that is just ridiculous and just so fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. Like like. There's a lot of dumb moments. But there's also a lot of moments that really modernized it that made it really really good. Like yeah. when uh there's that scene at the beginning when they're walking home and they got the the boy with them and he's like he's like goofing about how like so what a couple people died on Halloween, and and like yeah that's. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, so what a couple of people so died what? on that. Yeah, like, what? They died, like, what was it, 30 years ago? Yeah, like, yeah. chill the fuck out. But, um, and then, but there's, I don't know if you remember, like, the sandwich thing. They, yeah. like, they go on about yeah. sandwiches for fucking ever. Ever. And then there's that, I don't want to spoil too much, but that bit at the end with, with Jamie Lee, um, with the window. Oh, yeah. I yeah. I laughed my balls off. I thought that was such a good callback, but also so dumb. So dumb. And then just, like, the <laughs> cellar thing, and just, like, it just goes batshit in the last bit. Yeah. The last bit just gets so fucking out there. But they do this one really, really cool thing. Um, I don't want to say too much, but I'm pretty sure, I hope I can allude to it. Is this with, the uh, scene I've seen? Yeah, with the mental hospital, 
um, outside of it with the transfer. Love that. The, part the transfer of, that. of the idea. Yeah. I thought they were gonna go gung ho with that yeah, all the way. So did I. I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed they didn't. Me too. Yeah. I'll, I'll explain later. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it's a. Yeah, it was decent, man. It was definitely. I was happy with the result because you're, you're always worried worried when you're a fan of these IPs and they're announcing all these reboots and remakes and and stuff like that. You always get a little worried, right? So, mm-hmm. but I think they did the best job they could. Yeah, I know. I agree. I mean, uh, the best that Danny McBride did. That Danny McBride <laughs> probably yeah, could have done for. Sure. Um, I've talked with Christian about this and just Michael Myers as a whole. Where like I feel like why it's been so hard to get a decent Halloween sequel is because I think in the end, Michael Myers is kind of a one-trick pony. Like, he's kind of just a big, like, silent, stoic, uh, what is it, killing machine. And it gets to a point where it's like, what else could you really do with that? Kill some more. <laughs> I think the problem with people. Michael Myers is they they try to take themselves more serious than than something like Friday the 13th with Jason, right? Like, right. Jason is just complete nonsense, and they have fun with those films, and that's why those films are great. Whereas Michael Myers, they tried to be more serious with it, I think. Yeah, they, they tried to, like, build the lore, like, yeah. way too much. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that in 4 or 5, there's, like, a tunnel underneath the Myers house that connects it to the uh, mental Michael institution. Michael has a baby, and baby with... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. even know. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> like... Uh, it's, it's not something where you could have, like, Freddy Krueger running around cracking one-liners or, like, exactly. Jason X or... Yeah, yeah you couldn't yeah. have Michael Myers come up to you and go... Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Prime time, bitch. (laughs) But uh, what wasn't nonsense is probably the best movie I've seen all year, and I can't rave about it enough, is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We did did an entire episode about Spider-Man. That movie, dude. It's so good. So good. Everything about it. The animation is just mind-blowing. The story was mind... Like, when I first heard about it, I was like, how are they going to get all these Spider-Men into a movie and have it make sense and... They have all their characters have their own enough screen time, mm-hmm. but god damn, was it yeah, good! Oh man, they make it into the Spider Verse is an accomplishment, like that's the only yep. way oh. I can think to describe it. Yeah, it's, every aspect about it is incredible. I really think it's changed, it will change animation here going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, right? like, there's gonna be lots of knockouts. Yeah, <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> Even the same house that worked on it did an episode of Love, Death, and Robots. Mm-hmm. No oh, way, nice. really. Yeah, yeah, so it looks very the, the animation style is very similar. Um, no, I agree. That movie is the fucking bomb. Yeah, so Sony actually did Spider-Man right for once. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's yeah. Like you yeah. give it to the right people, like Lord and Miller, like those those guys. Like that that that's why I'm actually sad that Lord and Miller were fired from Solo, right? Because Solo mm. turned out to be such a piece of shit. <laughs> and he just <laughs> I enjoy Solo. Lu- Lucas really? and I, enjoy I, I, love I love to death the mm-hmm. first 45 minutes of Solo. Mm. When I was watching, I'm like, what is everybody yeah, like talking the, the about? This movie is fucking awesome. Yeah. And then after the train heist. That's fair. I'm like, dude. I I love it. I'm not saying it's a good movie. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not particularly very good. Daenerys uh, Blandarian shows up and kind of goes downhill. Just gets so boring after I, that part. And yeah, I get that's fair. I'm I'm just such a fucking Star Wars nerd that oh, any, so am I. Like, don't get me wrong. Whenever Chewbacca is on screen, I am like the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. When, <laughs> when Han first meets Chewie, yeah. dude, oh, that's great. Love that scene. Dude. I do think it's scene. pretty dumb though. Oh yeah, it's, it's like, dumb. How, how does it's he just? Dumb. How does he? Great. How does he just know Wookie? Like <laughs> he just yeah. does. How do you, yeah. I guess he just fucking knows Wookie. Yeah. But I 
I I also like like Lucas. I love that movie. I saw it like three times in the theaters. Uh, I can understand why you might think it. I don't went... hate Solo. Right? Oh no! I just no. say it's a piece of shit because I do think it would have been a way better movie had you left Lord and Miller alone. Yeah, and probably. Just I would agree. Probably. Their thing, right? And then instead of bringing Ron Howard in and be like, okay, lights it, off. That's why. That's why. That's seriously why it felt so generic from the last half, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of that first half. I think was Lord and Miller because he saw a lot of that stuff before they got fired, like all the promotional stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Ron Howard comes in and he just makes such a generic film, like just yeah, I mean, run of the mill, a fine film, right? It's, it's not bad, it's not great, it's just fine. It's a movie, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel like to be fair to Ron Howard, like it's like here's half a movie, finish it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Like here's something that's not your style in the slightest. Yeah, yeah that's like adopting now. a 14 year old. Yeah, like, all the damage <laughs> is done. Fuck. Well, I mean, to, Ron... be, to be honest, what else could you have done being Ron Howard? Right? Yeah, like you're not gonna go in there and you gotta you gotta please Kathleen Kennedy. You gotta yeah. please the Star Wars fans. You gotta yeah. work with this something that's already half yeah, done that wasn't your idea, right? Yeah, it was not a good position for anyone no. to be in. He almost ended up directing Phantom Menace, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, he because he's friends with George Lucas, and George Lucas almost didn't end up directing it. But yeah, because I, I heard he didn't he didn't want to direct anymore after he directed Episode Four. Yeah, and like he uh, apparently it just came down to circumstance and how Ron Howard was working on whatever Ron Howard was working <laughs> on. At the time. I think it was. I think Oh yeah. Paul Thirteen's great. Star Wars. You guys want to talk about the trailer? That's the I other thing I watched. Yes. So it's a good transition. We have all seen the Star Wars trailers. Yes, yes we have. Um, Dozens of times. At least I have. <laughs> I can't be more excited for this fucking movie. Really? Uh, I can't be more excited. I'm, so I'm really excited. worried. Yeah? I'm See, really worried. You dude. know what? My biggest complaint is, I've told everybody in this room but you, Joel, is I hate that fucking name so much. I Rise hate Skywalker? I hate the title. It doesn't fit well. It but doesn't we don't come know. off the tongue well. It, That's, uh, yeah. The return, it's, the, 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 the the is in the wrong spot. It should be Rise of the Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Comes off the tongue better, but it, it gives a whole new meaning yeah, totally. to that title. Yeah, we don't know what the title means yet. Though. Exactly. There's lots exactly. of speculation. Just right? like we didn't really know what Last Jedi meant. We didn't really. Well, Force Awakens is pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I agree. Like, uh, I personally speaking, I just don't like the title. I, I like Joel saying it doesn't roll off the tongue the right way. I always think I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. Every time I say it. Yeah, the right yeah. Skywalker. <laughs> uh, and this is where I'm going to play devil's advocate and kind of be an asshole, <laughs> um, which is about like one. I think it's a solid trailer. I like a lot of the imagery outside of like one thing that I think looks kind of like a character regression, which is that stupid helmet is back. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure how I felt about that. What he's um, dude, like burning and into it. I was like he's you're welding putting it. he's putting Oh, I thought he was putting scars in No, into he's it. welding it back together. No, okay. I, but if you look at the promo, it, it still was has like, the it red was, It wasn't him it, though. So. It was like some pair of hairy hands or something. <laughs> some animal or something. Yeah. Chewy. Um, and the other thing is that, like, as cool as cool as it is to see uh, uh, Lando in there and to hear uh, Palpatine's voice and whatnot, I'm like, wow, you, JJ, it looks like you're just going to be pulling the fan service hey, card Hey, he's again. getting his ship back over his goddamn dead body. It's like, <laughs> he's getting uh, that ship back. Fuck. Yeah, no, it's just that. I think a lot of it is that I don't trust JJ Abrams. I yeah, like it. No. I don't mind him when he does, like, more original things and whatnot. But whenever he's attached to a pre-existing property, he's like, look, look, I'm making Star Trek. Or look, I'm making Star Wars. Nostalgia! JJ's great at starting things. He's not good at ending Mm. stuff. Yeah, Force Awakens was a great way to to reboot this series. As as much as it was a retread, I think it was 
the right move. It's my favorite. Star I mean, Wars it was movie. all they really could have done. Like, however, also, what Ryan Johnson did, I think, was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Ryan yeah, Johnson actually made the first Star Wars movie for grownups, exactly. as opposed to pandering <laughs> exactly. to butthurt fanboys. And, and he he subverted everyone's expectations, and just there's so much about that film that I could talk about but i don't want to go into there was last no, jedi but there was not enough uh maz katana butthole eyes i tell you, what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, that's that what shit. star wars is about oh it's so funny <laughs> i laugh every time i, don't know, I just can't yeah. stand how i uh, was it i think a lot of why like i have trouble getting excited about star wars stuff is just because of how obnoxious and fickle star wars fans are yeah, the fandom's the worst. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, Rick and Morty fans have nothing on those assholes. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. We're... I, I, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, I, I sometimes hesitate in calling myself a Star Wars fan because of people like that. You're afraid of scrutiny, <laughs> basically. Yeah. There's such a small majority, though. It, the problem is yeah. they're so vocal, and that, yeah. that's why it feels bigger than they are. But mm-hmm. you go to something like Star Wars Celebration, dude, and like, Rose got so much crap online that she like, the the actress that played Rose in yeah, uh, yeah, yeah she got so much crap online that she left social media altogether right yeah but then she goes to something like Star Wars Celebration and she gets a standing ovation yeah everyone fucking loves love her, her right yeah. it's just assholes yeah online that you, that just unfortunately have such a loud voice yeah, like yeah they want to ruin the fun. some of those assholes who are trying to who have still have that whole petition going to try and get Ryan Johnson to admit something he doesn't believe yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> the, that, most people who saw the movie disagree with yeah. so that's what uh, that's what I'm worried about man is that now JJ Abrams is now taking everything Ryan Johnson did and is going to try and retcon it in this in this latest film, I'm really worried. Yeah, that that's he's bringing that's, back that's the emperor. That's... Why are you bringing back the emperor? <laughs> like, are, you, are we making this into his Return of the Jedi now, or like? Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's definitely going to suffer from like third movie syndrome, like 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 Return of the Jedi did. Like it was, it's the weakest of the of the trilogy in a lot of ways. But I feel like I don't know. I'm okay with nostalgic Star Wars. I love nostalgic Star Wars. I also love new and experimental Star Wars. I want. All the Star Wars? Every single Star Wars. That was a tweet that Lucas also put up last week. (laughs) Almost word for word. The problem is J.J. Abrams has no interest in uh, in a new and experimental Star Wars. He just wants to remind uh, people of how great movie of the original movies are. Which again... I'm okay with it. But I'm like, why not just go watch the originals again? I will. I'll watch those and I'll watch this one and I'll watch those again. I'm going to see it nine times. (laughs) I don't know. It might be terrible. Who knows? Who fucking cares? It won't be terrible because it's Star Wars. Even the Christmas special is awesome. (laughs) I don't know. I think Attack of the Clones is pretty abysmal. Oh, yeah, true. I guess. I know. Like, even even though the prequels prequels are. Prequels I don't really even consider. They're not good movies, but in every single one, there's stuff that I love. Yeah. True. Genuinely, like character design, battle scenes, certain character moments. They're like, still Star Wars. Yeah. But in episode, what do you call it? In uh, episode two, you have them in a fifties diner. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the worst. Fucking it's like weird. A love story throughout for most of the. Yeah, but the Coliseum battle is pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the last thing I'll leave it at is that you had Ryan Johnson come in. Ryan Johnson, who is a visionary and actually tells stories, and then you had J.J. Abrams, who likes to pander and. Celebrate, and I'm I think excited you're a little hard on JJ. Abrams, well, to be honest, but... man, I think I think um, they suffered from not planning this out to begin with. Why wasn't this whole trilogy mapped out before they started filming? Why weren't all the directors set in place before all of this? Well, technically speaking, they were, but they I got guess, rid of but Colin, yeah. and 
To be fair, the original Star Wars trilogy was definitely not planned out. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But why wasn't this one, right? You knew because really when matters. the first Star Wars came out, I'm not even sure if Lucas knew that he's making three films. Well, he he had I, he had like a plan for a bunch of movies, but then everything changed once Star Wars hit. Yeah, there did was so well. Also, the fact that like there's even a controversy around that people believe that George Lucas didn't even know that uh, Luke was Darth Vader's uh, was Darth Vader's son. There's actually talk about how that wasn't even a Lucas contribution. That was a um, uh, Kazadin contribution that Lucas didn't Maybe. even know about until it came out. <laughs> Surprise, <Maybe>. fucker! <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> I'm changing your entire story. Um, anyway, I'm stoked for it. Uh, every time stoked. I watch that trailer, I, yeah. I almost cry. Oh, goosebumps every time. Right? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. There's still stuff I have issues with. Yeah, yeah. I really hope they don't uh, retcon Ray's parentage. That's the thing oh, I'm most worried That's the one thing about. I'm worried about, and that's yeah. why the title really scares me. Dude, yeah, but I've, I've heard a lot of speculation. If you turn her into a Skywalker, because what yeah. other Skywalker do we have? Because Leia's gone. She's going to be gone, and it's not, it yeah. can't be about Leia. No. It can't be about Kylo Ren, because there's no way he can't turn now. He's, he's evil for the rest of the movie. He's not going to have a Darth Vader moment at the end, because we've already given him so many chances to turn, yeah. and he hasn't. Mm-hmm. So it can't be about him. So unless See, it's just my, like, uh, we're, we're, we're all Skywalkers, unless it's referring to that. Yeah, my, my, my favorite uh, th- like speculation theory thing is basically the Skywalker is going to be, become a title. Like, basically, it's going to be like the new the Jedi, Jedi, basically. Yeah. But like more, <clears throat> if, if they go with the direction Last Jedi is, they're not going to be like the Jedi or, or the Sith. There's going to be the Skywalkers. Right. It's it's similar to how the Sith to use Darth as a name. Yeah. Right? So it'd be like, I'm Darth Tyrannus, but I'll I'm be Skywalker. I'll be Rey Skywalker. Yeah. Like, yeah. Skywalker will become your new title. Yeah. That right? is my favorite theory. I, I don't know if they're going to do that. I, kinda, I hope they I, do. I feel like that's a little too advanced for J.J.'s Star Maybe. Wars. But <laughs> J.J. Um, is not a smart man. That's well, shut up. Stop again, talking man. shit about J.J. Like, <laughs> J.J.'s no. fine. Yeah, J.J.'s fine. <laughs> brilliant visionary yes he is not a storyteller he's that's not the greatest story. I, I, Except I think when he's 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 a, he's a competent storyteller he's competent he's, yeah he's, he's, he's not, not he's not like doesn't take a lot of risks yeah he's a very safe storyteller yeah teller. so is still my I, guess a, yeah. <laughs> I guess there's a reason we call him diet spielberg yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right so uh yeah that's all the shit that we've watched uh <laughs> i hope you enjoyed that three and a half hour long conversation there uh Oh uh, yeah, so uh, let's jump into some indie movies. Actually, you know what? We're gonna do something we haven't done in a long time. We're gonna take a break. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna be right back after this break. All right. All right. Welcome back to the Thundercast. Uh, we're here with our guest Joel Gardner after a long-deserved break. Uh, we just a couple things we want to address before we really dive into uh, our talk about indie filmmaking. Um, we we recognize that we've been gone for a little while, and we apologize for that. We've had a, a number of hiccups uh, in our personal lives, uh, so we're we're gonna try and bring it back to you uh, every two weeks. Uh, you know, with the summer coming up and that sort of thing, I think we might miss a week or two just because uh, Liam got too drunk and his box fell apart. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> right, remember that joke from the beginning yeah, of the yeah, episode? It's yeah, it's, it's a callback. callback. Yeah. I have a problem, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we promised we were going to talk about indie filmmaking and uh, some, some some things related to that. I mean, <laughs> oops. Uh, I, I fucked up the intro to this break uh, at least 50 times, so uh, please, I apologize. 
guys. Uh, so I just want to c- cover a couple things uh, about indie filmmaking. So um, when you guys watch indie films, um, what are some things that you recognize that are different about indie films versus, you know, a major Hollywood production? Um, you know? I think it really speaks to what I've always preached, which is that art thrives on limitations. And, like, so a lot of the time you have, like, very more shoestring budgets or, like, in some really extreme cases, completely self-financed where, like, you have to – where people have had to save all the money themselves, like, even at a time before Kickstarter to a point where, like, some filmmakers have been known to even have done all the, the effects or editing on their just home laptop. Yeah. And so I feel, selling their comic books to make movies, right? Yeah, and, like, uh, that's something I've always uh, – I think it always builds character in P- – uh, was it in uh, – in aspiring filmmakers and sometimes you get some really cool expressive different experimental type films that i still love and watch even to this day you have to rely a lot more on on acting abilities and storytelling mm-hmm. in indie filmmaking you can't you can't use effects as a crutch no yeah. no totally i mean there there are some indie films that that that's kind of the driving force like something mm-hmm. like moon Duncan Jones movie mm-hmm. uh, with Sam Rockwell there. Or one that, of my... That's a movie that re- relies very heavily on its special effects, but mostly performance. Yeah, in in but like the you know, the effects are there to enhance the performance, right. To enhance the story, which is what effects are supposed to do, but not a lot of studios don't seem to understand. That. No, <laughs> if you go back to well, like uh, uh, one of my favorite examples being the uh, uh, the original Evil Dead. Where like uh, it took, I'm pretty sure it took them like two years of filming because like a lot of the, the effects and whatnot they had to do themselves in camera. Like there's that one effect where like somebody's face is disintegrating and they had to like paint it on themselves. Yeah, it was like mostly yeah, it's a lot more practical work in indie filmmaking compared to like digital effects and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like uh, some of my favorite movies are would be considered you know indie films. You know, I mean. With Lucas and I going to film school, we've seen a lot of movies that I can guarantee a lot of people haven't seen mm-hmm. because of the process in which it takes to make an indie film and, and the relation it, it is to film school and that sort of thing. Like, we, we haven't really mentioned it on the podcast. It's not, I, would, I guess you wouldn't really call it an indie film, but something like Koyan Eskazi, right? Which is one of those films where it's basically just an art film, which I can guarantee you at least half of our listeners have not fucking seen and know nothing about. They probably heard the the song though. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and it's like because all I said, you guys don't know it because you're all fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these movies are older than your mom. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I mean I, I appreciate uh, the the art behind it. I mean, as an indie filmmaker myself, uh, going to the great lengths that it that it takes to make a film is part of the charm behind a, a film, behind an indie film. A lot of the, the the reason to go see something is to see someone's, you know, tenacity, to see their 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 work ethic, their their effort, the amount of the amount of the challenge it is to create something that is so close to your heart, right? Well, um, I think a lot of people think filmmaking is easy and they think it's as easy as just pointing a camera in, to in front of somebody and mm-hmm. have them go, right? Like I, I really do think a, the majority yeah. of the mass audience out there believes that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people talk as if you just hit a button in a movie. Yeah, exactly. Out. But the fact that any film gets made and finished and is something that's competent from beginning to end is a miracle. Yeah. You know, the fact that any good movies get made consistently just blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like how many, how many hours and hours of unusable footage I now have because mm-hmm. I've started out trying to make a movie and then when you're all finished and it's all done, it, there's just nothing there, right? Like well, you we, can't piece it together right. 
something happens where like it just doesn't work, right? We we had that with uh, in the trees. We did oh, a, yeah. we did a whole episode about indie filmmaking a while ago. Um, that we we discussed like our experiences with with making that specific film, and it took us two years almost. The movie's fourteen minutes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, fourteen minutes and twenty seconds. I can tell you that. And uh, it originally was supposed to be twenty five, right? Mm-hmm. So we we lost ten minutes of the movie. And then, yeah, it just wasn't usable. Yeah, it just wasn't usable. And then, but we still tried to make something that was coherent or and you know watchable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the the movie has screened at, at numerous film festivals and things like that. So we did make something that people want like want to watch, which is really cool. Um, but the the downside of that is the sheer amount of of independent films that come out that never get seen. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. a tragedy in a way. Yeah. Yeah, you throw them up is. on YouTube and they have eight views. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's the problem. You, you see stuff on YouTube that takes way less talent, way less effort, and is almost literally just putting a camera in front of somebody and pressing record, right? Yeah. And it'll get way more views compared yeah. to the hours and hours of work an indie filmmaker will put into a film and just have no one see it. Yeah, yeah. it's a total shame. Um, on that note, uh, moving into maybe a more positive side of this, the, the more successful side of indie filmmaker, uh, indie filmmaking, is what, what are some people that you consider some of your favorite like indie filmmakers? I mean, Liam and I, we have we have Kevin Smith. You know, Liam and I. That's one of the things that we bonded on when we first became friends was was Kevin Smith and and his his drive to create film. Uh, such as Clerks and Mallrats and that sort of thing. And how, like, and even though, like, he never, and, like, uh, unlike a lot of other, like, really big, uh, or, or indie directors who kind of made it big and started getting bigger and bigger projects, Kevin Smith never really got that, and each, and he, even when he was offered them, a lot of the time he didn't do it, but prove that he just become a public figure, and I'm pretty sure he was teaching for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's done so much stuff um, that it, it, it's hard not to find him a little bit inspiring, right? And I mean, like like I was saying before, it, indie filmmaking is so inspiring. And I find that a lot of people will see an indie film and be like, I want to do something like that. And then a lot of people will mimic it and copy it, and then it won't be the same thing, and then they get disappointed, discouraged, and they drop out of filmmaking. We're also, like, I, I always try to encourage going to see, like, more indie darlings and whatnot, um, because, like, uh, I remember I watched a really informative video essay on it where uh, it was a guy talking about the movie Brick, I said, like, some, it's important to go out and support these things because, for all you know, the guy who made this could be making the next big Star Wars, or like he could, I was it he could be, or they could be doing other things. Obviously, there is a negative side to that that we could, that we are probably going to get into in a little bit. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, yeah. But anyway, so so, uh, uh, Joel, what are some uh, <coughs> indie filmmakers that maybe you um, respect? Well, you you just mentioned one, Ryan Johnson. Obviously, before the whole Star Wars, uh, gift was bestowed upon him <laughs> yeah um was easily uh actually the, the guy who who just uh did shazam what's his name again uh david s samberg yeah I samberg yeah really liked lights out i loved lights out short the lights out yeah. short is fantastic I've, act- I've never seen the short but i did see lights out and i really enjoyed that yeah it was good that was his first real movie set he's ever been on yeah or like and he was, was all- lights out so he got lights out First real movie set, and then Shazam! Yeah. His, next movie. It's like his second movie ever, really, that yeah. he's ever worked on. And it's a big, massive comic book hero movie. It also yeah. kind of came full circle because his mentor was also an indie filmmaker. 
that being James Wan. Yep. Yeah. 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 Saw and stuff. Yeah, like Saw was like I mean, I don't like Saw very much, but I respect it a lot given how minimalistically it was made. Like what really shows and how you could tell it was super uh, was it lower budget is that there isn't a single exterior shot in that movie. Yeah. 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 I think Saw was brilliant to be personally. I, I yeah. really like the first two. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Aleem and I have talked about this to, to wit's end is that you know, I, I really enjoy the first two Saw movies. I think like we're talking about in terms of like the structure of an indie film, I think they fit the bill almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are very much independent films. But on that note, what I another thing that I wanted to talk about was Hollywood indie versus like real indie film. You know, because mm-hmm. I would argue that Saw Two is a Hollywood indie film. Yeah, it 100%. just got picked up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure the first, the first Saw was made uh, very indie, but it got distributed by a bigger studio, and so that allowed it to make more money. Right. Um. Something. Something like uh, even A Quiet Place could I could argue would be like a Hollywood indie film, mm-hmm. and and the reason why I say that is it is based off budget, right? Budget is kind of like the the thing that. Most people think about when they think about indie filmmaking is no money. I don't have any money. Right? It's almost hard for me to consider any film that has a big Hollywood star in it not a Hollywood indie, yeah. right? Like it, it, it kind of blows my mind that we talk about us making independent films. There's no way I could get uh, what's an independent film that's been with the big name lately. Uh, uh, something like I like saw. William Defoe, right? For what's mm-hmm. the guy that did uh, Florida Project? Right, or, right. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I can't remember his name right now. Even I saw um, a Quiet Place last year, but that one was just they had they had Tessa Thompson and Lakeith Stanfield in there, who are uh, uh, was it rising stars? But the reason they were able to get together is because, from what I understand, they're friends with the director. Which film? Uh, sorry to bother you. Oh yes, fact, yes, I'm yes, sure yes, yes. Biggest... Is that a Quiet Place? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, I messed up. In fact, even with um, something like. Uh, uh, was it even there? I'm pretty sure were, like the biggest star they had in there was probably like either Danny Glover or uh, uh, Army Hammer, and even then they're not like super relevant big pulls for anything. Not mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, yeah, and uh, um, that was gross. Uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of in terms of what kind of what I'm getting at is just like when when you watch something that's like a Hollywood indie film, or you know you have to go to I'm gonna name drop a theater here in our city. If you go to somewhere like Eau Claire. Right at Eau Claire, you're more likely to see a movie that is not going to get widely widely produced, uh, distributed. distributed. You're going right. to uh, the Plaza or the Globe. Yeah, I mean, we saw uh, Lucas and I saw Birdman. Um, mm-hmm. We saw. Well, I don't know if you saw Birdman. Really. I saw Birdman. Yeah, yeah, so we saw Birdman, Theory of Everything. Yep. Um, at at the Plaza, those are both movies that didn't get wide distribution until until, until they started making some fucking coin. Or Oscar. Right? Or yeah, Oscar until they got season. until they got Oscar nominations, that's when they got a wider release. Right. And I I find that, I mean, the Oscars is is kind of a a flawed system, but they're they're one of the people who will take one of those indie films, uh, Hollywood indie films. And transform it into something that could be argued as a, a substantial uh, Hollywood motion picture. You know, um, something like uh, th- there's that new one with Willem Dafoe where he plays uh, uh, the, the guy who cut off his ear. Van Gogh. Uh, Van, Gogh. Van Gogh. He plays Van Gogh, right? And that that movie nobody knew what the fuck it Which was. Which is weird because Van Gogh Van Gogh died like before he turned thirty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, move on. Yeah, but but anyway, like they 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 took this movie and now a lot of people are talking about it, right? And um recognizing it as like a major motion picture. 
I find that these smaller films don't receive the recognition that they maybe deserve, right? I mean, I'm also kind of being an asshole about it because, like, as a filmmaker, you're like, nobody watches my fucking movies. <laughs> well, a Hollywood indie now is just those few films that get released every year that we used to make all the time. Right. Right, though? They're just mid-tier films that just don't get made anymore because no one makes movies for... 30 million, 20 million. It's either 5 million or it's 100 million. Yeah, right. Like, look at Shane Black with the nice guys. Like, exactly. Shane Black essentially made a movie that was a long dead genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody saw it, but a lot of, but, it, but people who did really, for the most part, man. really, really enjoyed it. It was my favorite film awesome. of 2016. Yeah, I it liked was awesome. It. Um, what was the one? It just popped into my head. We were talking about. Eh, fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> Carry on, boys. That, <laughs> <laughs> like, through a lot of, like, more indie people features especially in the 90s we got some of hollywood's bigger name stars through them mm-hmm. like well, scream yeah like uh, even, I mean, even though it's west craven it's yeah um but, but like even things like uh through like uh essentially uh days to confused and uh kevin smith movies we got ben affleck mm-hmm. we got jason lee um, matthew mcconaughey yeah we right. got like uh, and a lot of people who are very typically well regarded in hollywood right now well, do we consider something like, do we consider like Blumhouse to be like an independent uh, production house? I'd, Not anymore. I'd argue that like it's reached a point now where I could consider it more mainstream, but when it first started, uh, I would argue that it was a little more indie. Like when it was doing stuff like Sinister, which I really liked. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. I, and I agree with you there is that they, they've, I, I would say even, um, what what what's the... Get Out was a Blumhouse film, right? Get yeah, Out was, that was yeah. the. I think that was the one that really, once it started to get all that Oscar stuff and they were making, like, money, 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 uh, I would say they kind of stopped being, like, a more independent production house. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Blumhouse makes really good movies and then they make absolutely really fucking garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I think Slenderman was a Blumhouse Yeah, Slenderman was Blumhouse, but Happy Death Day, that was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched, uh, sometimes I don't I don't want to watch a movie, so I just watch, like, Ending Explained videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I watched the Ending Explained for uh, Happy Death Day to You. Man, yeah. that fucking movie takes a wild turn. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one oh. yet. I heard it's pretty good. Um, it's outrageous. Even to a point where, like, uh, Blumhouse is still picking up projects that, like, I don't, that no other studio is taking. Like, they're producing Todd McFarlane's Spawn reboot. Really? Though uh-huh. from what I and from what I understand, it only has a budget of like ten mil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's they don't do anything for really more than ten mil. No, no, I I do appreciate their. So that's a good question. Is 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 they are more on the pedestal in terms of uh, indie filmmaking and indie film houses and that sort of thing. And the reason why I say that is because their um, their thesis, like the the way not thesis, the the way in which they they make their films, mm-hmm. um, they. Give you ten mil, and they give you full creative control. Yeah. So you do take, you want. yeah, as a director, or as a producer, you take a, a budget cut just so you can have creative control, um, which is great. But oftentimes you get those movies like Truth or Dare, yeah. like Slenderman, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I right. mean, even then, I think I don't know, like uh, things like Sinister didn't have a lot of mandate on it. They just or creative mandate. They just didn't have a lot of money. So it's like you're sacrificing money, but you have your creative freedom. So it's a weird balancing act where, like, when you have your creative freedoms, I was like, you're like, sweet, I could go do this. But it's like, oh, I also have the limitations of money, so I got to need to think a little more outside the box and get more creative with this stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing that I think is is incredibly positive for indie filmmakers and moving forward in terms of of uh, the direction in which they will be taking in, in terms of, of how films are produced, how, how they're made, 
um, is the 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 usage of of film festivals. So like Cuff is is next week. The Calgary Underground Film Festival, it, it, it's next week after the, this episode comes out. It'll be the following week. And uh, even Covalite, we've ta- we talked about Covalite. Um, uh, we did an entire episode about Butte, Montana, because my, uh, well, our movie screened at, Butte, at this film festival, and I saw a, a film there by a guy named Rick Darge called Zen Dog, and the movie's fantastic. Yeah, it was a really cool movie, like... I mean, like, you have a star in there who I've seen in other things, but he's not, like, a big pull. He's, like, a C-list actor. Yeah, yeah. What's his name again? Uh, Kyle Gallner. Kyle Gallner. Yeah, and uh, I, I love the idea of, of people supporting the arts in that way. Still giving them a platform, still giving them a medium, a, a place in which they can feel safe, they can feel like they're they're being heard, um, but still be put on a, what could be argued, um, global stage. Yeah, you know? like, I, what I also, also really, or uh, what I really respect as well is uh, when you have, like, some actors who just enjoy, go, who have a lot of pull, but that just enjoy going and doing more indie films, like... Sam Rockwell. Yeah, or, like, Michael Shannon. Yeah. These, like, are, these are guys that throw their own money at the movie. Yeah, in fact, because uh, from what I understand, also, Michael Shannon's, one of his best friends is an indie filmmaker, and I've seen two of his movies, and he appears in all of them. Uh, one was called Take Shelter, mm-hmm. and the other was called Mud. Yeah, yeah. He was in Mud. Mud. Yeah, he, oh, I didn't know he was in you know, Mud. He has a small role in Mud, but he is there. That's just, McConaughey, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, again, a lot. that's another one where a lot of them just took pay cuts because they liked the idea. Yeah. Um, kind of kicking it back to what we were talking about, like, Hollywood versus, like, real indie. When you guys think about an indie film, what do you, would you consider, like, a real indie movie? Clerks. Clerks. Um, that's a good one. Have you guys seen Primer? Uh, no, but I know of it. Yeah, have you ever seen Primer? Uh, no, yeah, I know of it. Yeah. Though, but that, no. That's a movie where I would consider it like a true independent film because Shane Carruth, the guy who directed it, he not only wrote it, he directed it, he produced it, he did all the music for it, he stars in the movie, mm. right? Like, you have, to, you have to fucking bite the bullet when you make an indie film. You have so much shit on your plate that you just, no, unfortunately, like, you have to do it. Lucas played a Bigfoot in our movie. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, he was a, then the suit was way too small for me. So yeah. <laughs> you can well. see his runners. Yeah. Uh, so, like, like yeah, sometimes you gotta, you got to wear multiple hats, right? Oh, you know, yeah. Another a person who I have a lot of respect for, someone like Robert Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> that was so weird, your voice just like... Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, but, like, Rob, with Robert Rodriguez, like... I was sound like an asshole. Right? <laughs> Nobody laughed. He realized that, like, uh, he could save money on a crew and production by doing a lot of it himself. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure he made uh, uh, El Mariachi for, like... Ten grand or five. Yeah. It was either five or ten grand. The, the yeah. theory is that he made it for five grand, but a lot of other people have come out and said that, no, there was a little bit more money yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, from what I understand, well, he makes things pretty cheap, and a lot of the stuff he just makes in his garage. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I so mean, you want to talk about guys like uh, Robert Rodriguez and... You know, you guys mentioned Kevin Smith. Do we want to talk about the traps that these successful indie makers fall into? Guys like uh, Shyamalan, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, 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 totally. Where they so have when... a successful independent movie and then are given free reign and just... Yeah. So when you say yeah. trap, could you, could you kind of elaborate more? I would say trap is then the, uh, the trap of, holy fuck, I'm God, I can make an awesome movie no oh, matter Shaman what got right? no matter what i do yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah. be awesome right and yeah. no one was there to say dude no you're being stupid even with george <laughs> lucas like look at what happened to him it just happened george to be lucas, on a larger same scale. way like that that's the whole issue with shovel and now he's making his comeback 
Yeah, but I, I liked the visit a lot. The visit was great, but I still feel like even though there's not progressively getting worse, but you can kind of see the progression coming back as it went from visit to split to glass. Right, he's kind of, it, it almost feels like he's starting to lose himself again. Again, yeah. And like don't be surprised if his next one they give him all the money in the world and yeah. then he makes like he makes the last Earth air, again. airbender again, right? I think because... a lot of it also with uh with some of these guys is that they are very they have their own very distinct styles and like their own that like sometimes it's harder for audiences to connect with. Like some of them you go back to, like that were panned, like the the village was hated when it came out, but it's a movie I've gone back to and I actually do kind of like and have a soft spot for. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Rodriguez uh, constantly, like, he'll either make something really, really cool or he'll make something really stupid. I think the problem with him is he had kids and he just wanted to make movies with his kids <laughs> <laughs> in his backyard, right? Sets up like, a green screen. But, and even, like, but yeah. even like recently, I talked about it on the last uh, podcast, he was given a movie with, uh, was it, uh, insane amounts of money and well, he actually did hold his own Battle... Together. Battle Battle of yeah, it's actually supposed to be pretty decent. I haven't seen that yeah. film, was, but parts of it are pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, he had a uh, more money than he's ever had, nor that he probably should have had. But he actually he held himself together pretty okay. Mm-hmm. You know who I do want to mention that we were talking about Saw and James Wan earlier is his partner Lee Wynell. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you guys seen Upgrade. Uh, no, but I've heard about oh it. Oh, my with, God, With uh, Discount dude. Tom Hardy. Yeah. It is amazing. <laughs> is it? Oh, God, is it ever good, What dude? else has he done? I don't... He did Sinister 2, I think, he directed? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's done a lot of writing. Which is fine. Sinister he does, 2's okay. Yeah, Sinister 2's not bad, right? It's, it's, it's ambitious. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, other than that, I think those are the only two movies. But God damn, was Upgrade just... It's 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 kind of like isn't it kind of like Ex Machina in a way? A little, uh, no, well, I guess the aesthetic kind of feels like Ex Machina. It has a feel of it, but not necessarily the story. It's, right. It doesn't have to do with AI or anything like oh, that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, because uh, Upgrade is one of those movies that not a lot well, of I people have say heard of. It does have something to do with AI, just in a not the context okay. that you would think. Yeah, not a lot of people have heard about it. It's it's on Netflix now, I believe. Is it? Um, I believe so. Because I heard about it, and it sounded interesting. Uh, at least amazing, Canadian man. Netflix. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's one of those things where, you know, you somebody, who, he's been in the film industry for years. For years. Well, since years. Saw, right? Yeah. And then suddenly he's given a chance, and then nobody sees your damn movie. Yeah, I mean, no one like, sees it. I mean, who I, saw Upgrade, right? Yeah. I think a lot but of it is But it was that, one of my favorite movies last year. I think a lot of it is that people, I think people kind of realized over time that, like, when he was working with Juan and whatnot, that Juan kind of was or at least until this might prove me wrong, that Juan was always kind of a more talented one of the two. He was the visionary of the two, right? Like, he he's the one that, you know, like, put to get put the movies together in his vision. Yeah, like, because, I mean, like, uh, I think a lot of his, like, because then when they had their split off and whatnot, like, Juan had so much respect from fans and whatnot, because he also did other things outside of Saw, mm-hmm. like The Conjuring and whatnot. Well, Lewinell didn't really have that. So, like, uh, he kind of had to start from the ground up again. Yeah. Um, I, anyway, uh, yeah, so, Lucas, like, what do you feel about, uh, like, like what, what would be your definition of an indie film? Like uh, A film that no one sees, basically. <laughs> 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 well, that's, that's the thing about indie movies. They don't have the marketing power that Hollywood movies. So if you don't go to film festivals, you're not going to see any indie movies. Right. And if you're not looking for them, you're not going to see them. That's right. basically what any movies are to me. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I used to go to uh, 
pawn shops and stuff just to find certain films that you could mm-hmm. not get your hands on. Yeah. You know, before Amazon was really a thing. Um, thank God for, for that, the, the advent of the internet and being able to buy films f- films online, yeah. you know? Like, uh, I've seen numerous films. Is that, that's why we run this fucking podcast. <laughs> um, is, is because, you know, it, films have become easier to, to view. The, one of the problems behind that is that there's so goddamn many of them. Yeah, there's a lot. There are way too many I, movies out there. I remember back here in town, we used to have a theater called uh, Casablanca Video, where we had like a whole section just for Indian cult movies. Yeah. And yeah. I, since I didn't have a membership there, I used to just walk around in there, read through the back, find ones that I thought looked interesting, and then write them down. And, and then, then go I, home and download them like a fucking animal. No, there was no. I had a membership to another video store, so I looked around there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a streaming service out there. Uh, can I name drop a c- streaming yeah, service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So there's a streaming Tubi. service out there called Tubi. Tubi. Tubi, the free stream- streaming service. All independent movies, pretty much. But I spent an hour on there the other day just flipping through and yeah. eventually just shut my TV off. Because it's like, well, there's literally every single movie I went by I had not seen. But mm-hmm. it's like, well, do I choose that one or the one that's next to it here? Or, yeah, exactly. or this yeah, one and, next and, to it? And it's, indie movies are such a gamble. Like, yeah, it's like, like I could them... be 10 minutes in. It's like I just killed myself 10 minutes because I can't get that 10 minutes back, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, a, lot of, a lot of indie movies, like a lot of Hollywood movies, are just absolute shit. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. just poorly made. No one really put Terrible much... acting. Yeah, it, like obviously it's the person's like first ever time making a movie and other times you get diamonds in the rough yeah like you get things like moon or like yep. creep or, or like, like things that oh, creep huh. that people just put their hearts into and make it an amazing movie that nobody sees i or, will give Tubi <laughs> one thing Tubi has the entire gen one of transformers on it so that's pretty cool. and gi joe and yeah, and, GI Joe's. yeah. <laughs> and it's entirely free you don't have to sign don't up, have to sign up. you literally yeah. download Tubi's the app actually great man you oh, can right. find some rare stuff on, yeah. on Tubi. you literally download the app and it just plays like i, I was you i watched ads there's a couple ads yeah but... i mean that's the boner kill is it about as obnoxious it, but... as when i go on a crunchy roll and try to uh oh <laughs> uh, no probably no, not yeah, probably not i think but there's, there's uh, two they ads have... at the start and that's it i think they got a lot of uh anime on on tubi as well like jojo's bizarre adventure which or... is something i do actually want to watch yeah <laughs> um i mean ah oh, fuck we we did a whole episode on netflix and if we were going to talk about the indie films on netflix we would have like we would have to start an entire new podcast cuz it'd be fucking impossible it's also what's one thing that is cool about netflix is that like they do also provide a platform for some more indie filmmakers who approve themselves and like we'll give them funding and backups and whatnot. Yeah, maybe let's but not the, give Dan Gilroy any more money. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is you can't find it on Netflix though. You can't find Netflix movies on Netflix. <laughs> like, I mean, like, uh, and I mean, not everything they put out I think is, is brilliant. Like, for uh, every time you get like, I'm trying to think of one that I liked. Uh, for for every single Oak Okja. There's yeah. a Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. For for every single. I liked Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, I liked I Velvet like... Buzzsaw. I didn't like it very much, which is a shame because yeah, I like Dan like Gilroy. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Um, but then I'm... you also get movies like Bright. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I liked Bright. <laughs> I, thought, man, I thought Bright was the epitome. Of Joel's this... never allowed on here again. Get out, please. <laughs> Um, I didn't like Brian. No. I I was going to... uh, We shamed him into admitting it. uh, One thing I was going to bring up with, like, some very capable directors who did prove themselves making more indie things, uh, given that uh, 
I was at Hollywood has been kind of uh, picking up like lesser, uh, was it more indie directors and giving them like these huge projects because a bunch of our other directors are getting like fed up and just wanting to leave. Do you think that's the case or do you think it's more of Hollywood or these production companies feel they could push around these indie I, guys a lot more? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they could, because a lot of our directors now, it's that they've proven themselves so much that they have pull. That they have pull and studios can't push them around to what they think will sell. So they're bringing in people that they think are easier to push around. Yeah, there's that. And also, uh, you don't have to pay them as much. That's yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, hey, we've seen this guy can make a competent movie. And he will take a lot less money than Steven Spielberg. Sure. I mean, if, if I make a movie and I go in and they're just like, hey, we want you to do Conjuring 4. And they're like, yeah, but we're going to pay you 30 grand. I'd be like, fuck, sure. Yeah. That'll pay, <laughs> that'll pay off all my debt. Let's fucking go yeah. right now. <laughs> Can we shoot tomorrow? I was going to ask, like, who are some indie directors that have gotten, like, uh, bigger projects that you feel like have held their own and have done pretty okay? And who are some that Ryan you feel Johnson. like... Ryan yes. Johnson. I mean, like, the guy who was editing Brick on his computer after <laughs> making it for 30... Uh, uh, was I think it was, like, $30,000. Yeah. Something like um, that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the note of people who, who I, unfortunately, we did mention him, but Kevin Smith went from making really great indie films that went into Hollywood, fucking tanked, tried to come back and do Hollywood films, uh, or sorry, indie films, and then they just aren't that great. Like uh, Yoga Hosers is the, awful. The problem is he. The problem is he gets stoned on his podcast and just whatever they come up with on his podcast. Okay, we'll start making that movie tomorrow. Yo, I fucking <laughs> love Tusk. About it, dude. I love okay, Tusk. Tusk wasn't bad, but yo, yeah, Yoga Hosers. Oh, it's awful. Is that not the worst? Like, it's, it's, it's horrendous. I didn't it's even not watch good. it because I thought it looked bad. I watched the first thirty minutes and I was like. I, am I, I'm it's not stoned. Like it's my, mind blowing that what you're watching on on the screen, man. That's awful. Um, uh, I've I have I have yet to like a Kevin Smith movie. So. Yeah, we've talked about it. <laughs> um, there's uh, you, you're I, not a stoner. Yeah, like so yeah, like why. if if you if you maybe <laughs> if you maybe enemaed some weed pills up your butthole, then, like you'd, uh, you might enjoy a Kevin one, Smith film. Uh, one director who another one who I do feel like has held his own pretty okay. Though, I mean, there is some controversy around uh, the last film he did is Gareth Edwards. And, like, because, I mean, like, when I saw him do, like, Godzilla and whatnot. What happened with the last movie? Uh, with uh, Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, was it, there's con- there's this question as to how much of it he actually directed. Mm, because yeah. of, like, with some extensive reshoots, some people think aren't sure if he directed those reshoots. Because there was confirmed that Tony Gilroy came in and rewrote a bunch of it. Huh. But it's not clear as to if he directed it or if Tony Gilroy directed it. Oh, wild. Anyway. Um, but, like, uh, I mean, when it came to Godzilla and whatnot, I felt like he really held his own, especially given the week before we had The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where it felt like Mark Webb was just barely holding on by a pinky. <laughs> yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of them, a lot of those indie directors who get those big projects kind of crash and burn. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to see Taika Waititi crash and burn. No, I mean, like, he just did a huge Marvel movie, so. Well, I know, but that exactly, but... Like moving forward, yeah, yeah, I think you mean because, like, what we do in the shadows is fantastic. Yeah, and then seen the show, uh, not yet, um, but I've heard it's pretty funny, it's good. Uh, and and then Hunt for the Hunt Hunt for the Wilder People was a fascinating little movie, I loved it. Me too, I enjoyed it quite Um, a lot. But, like, there's also, uh, um, there are even some directors who hold okay, but you could tell that, like, it's not their vision, particularly with the Marvel films. Like, I feel I have a feeling that if uh, was it that if Scott Derrickson with Doctor Strange wasn't 
Working for Marvel, it would have been a way more crazy and psychedelic Doctor Strange oh, movie. Oh, totally. It's already I'm, pretty psychedelic for like a mainstream movie. Yeah, try reading a doc- <laughs> yeah, try reading a Doctor Strange book. Yeah, there has um, to. Imagine if John Favreau never touched Iron Man. Like, I don't think we would have gotten the Jungle Book the same way. We wouldn't have gotten Lion King in the same way. Um, if he hadn't have done those Marvel movies. You kind of corrupted yeah. the guy a little bit, right? Yeah, well, because John Favreau directed the first Iron Man movie kind of more like an indie film or the yeah. way you direct an indie film. Was that the one written by Shane Black? Uh, no, no, that's, that's Shane Man Black 3. wrote and directed Iron Man 3. 3, okay. Yeah, uh, and Shane Black before that, his directorial debut was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which he made for little money, was supposed to be Rob Dowdy's big comeback, but nobody saw it. More like <laughs> Kiss Kiss Boring Boring. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah Leo, I, not it's not fan. bad it's, well, it's not, not great it's a it's sometimes at parts it's a little too meta it's no nice guys that's for sure yeah the nice guys kind of you could tell he was kind of taking notes and he was like okay this is what works I, yeah. I was half ready for liam to say sometimes it's too smart that's why christian didn't like it <laughs> yeah stop watching rick and morty watch asshole. something else i watch other <laughs> shit yeah riverdale yeah i watch other shit <laughs> i don't i i i have time Watch things, <laughs> but let my all penis. of these brilliant things I loan out to you don't watch. <laughs> yeah. Liam let me uh, Cowboy Bebop about three months ago. Oh yeah, haven't yeah. fucking. And I'm it. actually gonna ask for that back because John's back in town tomorrow night, and I was gonna show it to him tomorrow <laughs> night. Oh, that's good to know. Um, now, I mean, I think I th- um I think indie filmmaking is one of those things that like we can all kind of like like harmonize with, you know. We can all kind of find certain things that we really appreciate about it. So that's why I, I kind of wanted to move into maybe some of our experiences, like on indie film sets. So what, are, like, do you have any like outstanding stories, Joel, from any of your like indie filmmaking experiences that you maybe want to kind of like dive into? Oh. Like, was there anything when you were doing like pure ownage, the t- television series, or even the movie? Because you have your banana story for uh, pure ownage, the movie. Oh, the like, un, the, like yeah. in terms of like unusable takes or yeah, you and, and just or you know moments where you're just like, damn it, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, the perfect moment that just didn't get caught on camera or yeah. whatever. And if you had more money, <laughs> I think I think the more uh, more of my stories rely around the guerrilla filmmaking aspect of of true independent filmmaking, right? Is like you don't have a permit, you don't have the money to pay this dude. To Did film you guys there. ever get caught? Oh, there'd be plenty of times where it's like, hey, you guys can't film here, and we just go somewhere else and film it somewhere else, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like yeah. you, you walk into a restaurant, and you, you don't ask permission. You just pull out your camera, and you put it on the table, and you start filming, right? And luxury of, of something like Pure Ownage, where it was a mockumentary, is you don't have to set up cool shots, or it's a stupid documentary, right? Where it's like you actually just have a guy sitting there holding a camera. So it's a lot easier in, in that in that respect, but... Um, yeah, there, there is always, like I said before, that all that unusable footage that you get as an independent filmmaker. Right. Could you, could you just like explain the banana story real fast? Okay. The banana story was we were filming the pure ownage movie and, uh, there was this one scene where, uh, Jeremy and Doug are, are, they're leveling up, right? They're personally, they're leveling up their, their own selves, their bodies, right? So they're in the gym and they're working out. And uh, Jeremy's on a treadmill, and he's talking to the camera, and at the same time, he's eating banana. And in the background, you see Doug, and he's on one of those uh, incline benches, and he's doing sit-ups. So you can only, he goes out of camera, and then he sits up in the camera, right? And he's, and he's doing that. 
And without looking, Jeremy's sitting there and he's taking a bite of banana and he just no look tosses the banana. And Doug, no look, comes up and catches the banana. <laughs> and eats it, right? Perfect shot. Perfect shot, right? Get to the get to the editing thing. Whole uh, days of uh, filming wiped. Oh, just oh completely no. wiped. Had to go back just and refilm it. it. We tried to capture the 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 one the no look toss again. Could never get it down. Just we spent half an hour trying to get it, and it was like, hey, we got to move on. Just not getting the shot. It's like that shot's gone forever. Right? Yeah, oh, that's that a bummer. Um, <laughs> I think I I have one story when we were shooting in the trees. Yes. Uh, we were filming at my house, and uh, we were filming a scene. I think we were in the middle of a take. This is one of the scenes that got cut, unfortunately. Yeah, that got cut. And yeah. and then my oh, yeah. my cat was walking around uh, the house, walked over to the litter box, and just took the loudest hiss <laughs> I have ever heard in, the middle in of a my take. life. We're in the middle of a take, yeah. And then you just hear like this... Like the like the sound of water, like a torrent of water hitting sand, <laughs> and then everyone's like, "What the fuck is that?" And we turn around, my cat's just in the litter box, like looking up at everybody. Uh, and the great Catsby rest in peace. Yeah, uh, Catsby. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> so we had to like, and it was a long piss. Like it seems like he had been <laughs> holding it for like three days. Or it something. was like we told him you can't go ten one yet. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta wait. What about what about your downstairs neighbors too? Oh yeah, yeah. That we was, were filming a scene, a and then I had some downstairs neighbors who just fought all the time. And then uh, they got home in the middle of a take, and they were, like, screaming at each other. And they walked downstairs, and, like, we had, the actors just kind of halted and just, like, looked at the door. I'm like, so those are my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're, like, in the basement. They're in the basement with each other. So so uh, uh, Lucas lived on, like, a split-level kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So they were, they were in the ba- basement suite. And we're in the middle of a take, and all you can hear is, Bitch, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Yeah. <laughs> You're a dead bitch! Yeah. And then we're, Wow. We're all like, Lucas, wow. I think you gotta go talk to your neighbors. Like, they can't, they can't be doing this right now. You know, um, yeah, we eventually had to move out of that house because it got unbearable. <laughs> but Lucas lived across the street from a Dairy Queen and a Tim Hortons, and that was really helpful yeah. for her production yeah, nice. for Crafty. Yeah. Yeah, mostly Tim bits. Um, I got one more story. Uh, it was also when we were shooting in the trees, and we were. Uh, I got another one too that involves Liam. But uh, we were we were shooting in the trees and. Uh, a generous person that we worked with, uh, their stepdad had a cabin uh, out. Uh, what well, uh, did you ever? You didn't come to the cabin, did you? Or did you come for no, one? No, I, I came. I came. I, I was there for two days. Right, and so so it was like south of Red Deer ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so middle of Alberta, and just in this forest, and we're we're hanging out. We wrapped production for the day, and we're just chilling, you know, hanging out, having a couple beers around the fire. And the guy's house, who it was. Um, Let's call him Jack. That's close enough. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Mike? No, no. Yeah, we'll call him Mike. <laughs> so, call back. So, so Mike's sitting around the round table, right? And uh, <laughs> no, so we're sitting around the fire, and it's eleven o'clock at night, and he's just hanging out, and he's got like two or three bottles of wine beside him, and he's polished off at least one of them, and he, we're chatting, we're having a good time, so he's about one bottle of wine deep. Another hour goes by. Another one of those bottles is gone. Third hour, we're hanging out. We're we're still all kind of drinking beer, hanging out, making s'mores, you know. And he's drinking his third bottle, and we're all we're having our own chat because because he can't really relate to our film talk. So we're having our own chat, and we just look over, 
and the bottle is like between his legs and it's like dripping on the ground and like fucking pouring out and he's just passed out he's just <laughs> he's just asleep he's knocked out fucking cold and we're all like should we should we wake up mike like like i think we got to wake up mike <laughs> and then one of our uh, i don't know if it was you i think uh, i think our sound person went over and just like put him up, put her uh, put her hand on his shoulder and he just jolts up and we're like mike you were asleep and he's like no i wasn't no i wasn't <laughs> I'm like, no, Mike, Like, maybe it's time for bed. He's like, no, I still got half a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the, the other one, this one's a little bit more brief, but uh, if you go on the, the Thunder Lizard Collective uh, YouTube channel, there's a sketch on there called like, Exceptional. And uh, it stars our buddy John Tasker, who we mention all the time. Praise be to John. Uh, and uh, he plays a man who's just trying to make eggs. I've seen this one. Yeah. Liam plays the egghead, Whoa. and we needed to make a helmet for Liam. And so what we did is we took an old dog treat jar, cut out a hole just big enough for it to fit on his head, <laughs> and then covered it in a towel. I looked like a white version of a red hood. Yeah. <laughs> he also could not see anything. <laughs> it was pitch black so inside of it. To direct me. And, and like trying to direct, direct Liam, and he's like, I was like, okay, Liam, walk forward. And he's like walking to the left, and I'm like, no, forward. <laughs> but I can imagine all it sounds like in his helmet is like, yeah. <laughs> and he had a he had a real fucking hammer in his hand. <laughs> there was a point where, according to them, I almost knocked John out. Yeah. So so John, there's a scene where where John drops an egg on the ground, and he's got to go down to pick up the egg, and Liam sneaks up behind him with the hammer. And John, John, before we did the take, John's like, I gotta talk to you. And so we go outside, and he's like, he's like, he's not doing this. He's like, we're, we're, not, we're not letting Liam do this. And I was like, come on, man. Like, we're going to stage it. We're going to like swing past your head. And he's like, no, he's going to kill me. He's going to hit me in the head, and you're going to have to deal with it. And I'm like, well, John, it'll make good film. <laughs> and so we go back inside, and Liam's like, Liam like tiptoes, raises the hammer, lowers it three inches and I cut the camera because I was just like, <laughs> like Liam you're not killing John today and then the opposite side of that is like because Liam couldn't see anything we would have to like motion him around the house and like put our hands on his shoulders and like guide him into shit and our buddy Malik I was like Malik <laughs> and so like he would just like look at Liam kiss him lightly but but he would do it so that he Liam didn't know we'd all just lose our minds laughing and Liam's like what's so funny what's happening <laughs> but it would be like <laughs> and then I'd be like Liam uh, Malik do it again you just like kiss him on the face and then Liam one time raised the fucking hammer and I was like okay we're we're rapping for the day <laughs> anyway yeah we had some good good times yeah that's one thing about indie filmmaking eh? it's like all the stunts are done all there's no stunt doubles it's yeah. live like man jumping out of trees and jumping over this and that and pure owning it's like if I jump out of a tree and break the leg it's like you're yeah you broke your leg yeah go going on yeah it's yeah. like now yep. Doug has a broken leg right? <laughs> yeah the rest of the movie Doug's got a broken leg our uh the guy who played uh, uh Regan in the movie great guy his name's Jordan he's a wonderful dude but uh before takes he would like hype himself up and so I'd be like I'd be like hey Jordan like okay you got you got to get ready for the scene but his mic would be live so like he'd, he'd, he'd have a mic on <laughs> i remember that and like we'd be rolling and i'd be like all right we're gonna it's like quiet on set and he'd just be like <laughs> 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 and i'd be like jordan 
quiet on set, and you just hear him go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Jordan, quiet, please stop. <laughs> um, what was the one he would do? Um, he would go, uh, he would start rapping just like to get himself hype. And he would just like start freestyle rapping. And he'd be like, he'd be like, bongs in the bucket, bongs in the bucket. And I'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck are you going on about? But we, uh, we originally had in the, in the movie, we had a scene where uh, Regan's character uh, gets strung up in a tree. He gets hung in a tree upside down and he's supposed to like have his, his guts ripped open and they're all supposed to be pouring out. We chose to do it a different way on the day. But I was like, oh fuck, we don't have the harness. So we can't, we can't sling you up. He's like, nah, it's cool, just do it anyway. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, just tie, tie a rope around my waist and sling me up. And I was like, no. <laughs> You're going to die or it'll slip and you'll fucking kill yourself. And he was like, nah, it's cool. And I was like, Jordan, please, like, like, please, just, like, get on my level. I, I really, really would love it if you didn't die on this production. But, no, we had a lot of really good times on that film, and it was, yeah, it was We really used to wonderful. do that all the time, too, and we'd, we'd purposely leave our, on the set of Pure Orange, the TV show, we'd purposely leave our mics hot, and me and the other lead actor, Jared, would go to the washroom, and we'd try to get down, so we'd be like, the stream of piss going, and at the same time be like, man, that Dave is such a dick. Like, can you believe he fucking did that? Or just talk shit about the rest of the crew all the time. And then we'd come up, we'd be like, what's up, Dave? How you doing, bud? Sounds like the kind of shit I do. Yeah. Yeah, any filmmaking sure is something. Uh, I'm sure uh, we we could talk about this for hours on end. And uh, uh, Joel, we're definitely gonna have you on in a future episode. Oh, man, anytime, uh, anytime. After uh, after Pit to D comes out, we're gonna we're probably gonna bring uh, the other guy who's on the episode is sorry on the the movie since Connor. We'll bring you both on. We'll talk about the movie. Good. We'll go into depth on that. But uh, aside from that. Uh, Thank you, Joel, for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. This was awesome. Uh, This has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. I'm Joel. See you later. Man, the government, man. (laughs) (laughs) The face is good. The face is good. And he's always going like this. Yeah. Like, uh, for those of you at home, I I knocked my head around really hard, really fast. Yeah.